0: The world of Howard Stern never stops.
1: Today, on a very special Thursday Howard Stern Show. Listen to this. Everybody hold on to their seat.
2: Howard celebrates 30 years of the Black Album. it's legendary. With Metallica.
1: Excellent. Oh, my God. That is incredible power. And a performance with Miley Cyrus. Wow. I have questions. Only on The
3: Howard Stern Show. This is going to be good. Ready? Let's start the party. Now I lay me down to
4: sleep. Never open myself this way. Pray the Lord my
5: soul to keep.
4: Laughing dogs will live it all. If I die before I wake, all these words I don't just say. Yeah. Pray the
6: Lord my soul to take. And nothing else.
1: Hell. Master.
0: Master.
7: Amen.
1: It's a heavy day today. It's a celebration. The reason we're doing a special show, well, one of the reasons we're doing a special show is that I was on vacation, and at the beginning of uh, the summer, everyone said, why don't you do a special show on Thursday with Metallica and Miley Cyrus, and I was like, yeah, okay. No big deal. Because I was all euphoric, and... Uh, and I think I lost my mind temporarily, but uh, here I am. You know, it's very difficult, Rob, and you don't realize the sacrifice I'm making to do a show in the middle of the afternoon. This is exactly when I'm usually napping in my bed. And yeah, I've, uh, I just
8: didn't make it. You think you were sacrificing. I told you, I can't do anything before the show, and if I do something before the show, it means I might be late for the show.
1: Maybe this is a nightmare, is what you're saying? No, you know what happened uh, this morning. I didn't know what to do with myself because usually we do our show in the morning, and I was like, I said to Beth, "Let's go for a walk." We went out for a walk. It was pouring out all of a sudden. Oh. We got rained on like like buckets, and then um, we walked like four miles. I came home. I go, I can't do a show. I need to go take a nap. <laughs> uh, this is insane. But I want to come through for, uh, Metallica because after all, it's the 30th anniversary of one of the best albums I've ever heard. When you, when you think about that album, the black album, it really, I mean, musically, it's right up there with any, any of the greats, you know, it's, um, it's certainly the the heavy metal Sergeant Peppers. I even hate to say heavy metal because I don't even think of it as like a metal album. There's some songs on there. They're just they're just they're almost classical. And so uh, it's the 30th anniversary. And I was like, yeah, I love those guys. And plus, I owe them, as you know, Robin, I ruined one of their great moments as a band. They
8: <laughs> You've been paying back for that for a long time.
1: The band, um, it's one of the legends, actually, in the business. Uh, This band was so committed to their music. Many times they were told to change. Many times they were told they couldn't be commercial. They were devoted to rock and roll, devoted to metal. They had nothing to fall back on. And they stuck to their guns, and they always made music the way they heard it, despite whatever was commercially popular. They had a vision. And as they stuck to that vision... They broke through. They broke through the mainstream. And it was a triumphant day when one of their videos was nominated for a video music award. As you remember, MTV was very big at that time. If you had a video on MTV, you were in the mainstream. It meant millions of record sales. And there they were that night on the MTV Awards to accept their very first big award in mainstream media. Well, didn't you present the award? Yes, I did, and I sub- I decided to present it as Fartman. <laughs> and as anyone knows, if you know any narcissist in your life, you probably never met one as big as me, unless you know Donald Trump. And uh, then uh, I came down with my ass, and my ass took over the camera. My ass took away all the attention from not only Metallica but from anything. It, it was my ass was bigger than the MTV Awards itself, I and mean, people were beside <laughs> themselves. And then I. Not only did I come down on wires with my ass on TV, which had never been seen before. Not because it was, uh, uh, not because of uh, any kind of nudity laws, but because who would want to see that ass? And I bent over and I farted and I blew up the podium. And when Metallica was accepting their triumphant award, I, the, the crowd was cheering me. I was sp- spreading my cheeks, showing them my asshole right on live television.
8: You upstaged them is what that's called.
1: Yeah, At only my moment. ass. Yeah. It wasn't me, Robin. It was my oh. ass. My ass is an attention whore. The rest <laughs> of me is very normal.
8: Oh, it was your ass. You didn't want to do that.
1: Yes, my ass stole the moment. And I remember, uh, I was spinning around on those wires and Lars actually put his foot up my ass. <laughs> because yeah. He had had it. <laughs> but, uh, I, the, the, my great sadness. Is that um, I, I didn't celebrate the moment properly because this is one of my favorite bands and this is a legendary band. And if you ever want to explore the making of the Black Album, like we will a little bit today, and uh, Miley is going to celebrate with the boys, but uh, if you ever want to celebrate, there, there are there are videos on uh, online that really go through the whole making the black album they wisely uh they they must have known they were making history when they made the black album because they videotaped everything every wow. uh every every moment even the ugly ones
8: isn't that great though That they I love the it foresight yep to say you know what let's put a camera on this
1: yeah they did and they um and it actually is great video especially for bands who want to learn how to make music and everything but uh and also, what the what the boys have done, the reason Miley's involved in this, you say, like, how does Miley Cyrus get involved with Metallica and vice versa? Uh, Metallica decided also, in, in addition to putting out this whole big box set and a remastering of the Black Album, they uh, invited all kinds of bands to cover the Black Album. So, like, Weezer does a cover, Miley does a cover of... Uh, I think she does, Nothing Else Matters. But uh, and Elton John played piano on her cover. Mm. That's why I think Elton's going to call in for a few minutes. We can get him on the phone.
8: That must have been a fun recording session.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to talk about. So anyway, the the reason we're here today, and the, and obviously, I, I guess they're in L.A. I, I'm assuming. But so they're uh, up I, in
8: the morning in L.A., but we're here yeah. at noon.
1: <laughs> I never do a show at noon. I did it one time, I think, for like Madonna yeah and uh i I, after that i swore madonna was great and all that and i always wanted to meet her and talk to her and interview her but i was like this is bullshit i i can't do a show at noon but for Metallica, i would do it you know what i mean those guys
8: people big names
1: who have asked that the time be changed oh yeah big names robin really you you ever hear of jesus christ uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wanted me to do an sh- interview with him, and, and I said, and no, he doesn't
8: I- sit down with anybody. <laughs> yep.
1: By the way, did I ever tell you I ruined the Lars shoes that night at the MTV Awards? He has a big skid mark on the tip of his shoes. I actually, uh, <laughs> when he, ma- ac- <laughs> he got it so far up there, he actually pulled out duty.
8: <laughs> Serves him. Serves him right.
1: Yeah. Uh here's Daniel who wants to get a hold of us before we start talking to the gang. All right. Hey now. Hey, hey now, now, Daniel. Hey Thanks now. for joining us.
8: Hey now, Robin. Hey now. Hey now.
1: Hey now. Hey now, hey now hey Eric. Hey now. Oh, come on, dude. What?
9: We are going to have one of the greatest living bassists in your presence. We have to ask him who's the greatest bassist? Is it Les claypool Primus or Jack Bruce?
1: Jack Bruce. The easy answer is Jack Bruce. Robert Robert is a great bass player. Shut up. He knows that Jack Bruce is the greatest bass player that ever lived. And if Robert doesn't know that, I'll throw him off the show.
8: Let me ask you something, because this comes (laughs) up from time to time, and every time you ask, a bassist. They never say Jack Bruce.
1: Because the, Robert will know. Robert's a, a great bass player. He'll know.
8: Well, they say this guy, yes. I forget his name, Yoko Yomo, Yo, Yo so
1: Yoko mean. Omo.
9: <laughs> Jocko Pistorius.
1: Jocko Pistorius is a great bass player. You're right. But Jack Bruce. And you know. let's not forget, Jack Bruce could sing.
8: Well, what's that got to do with playing the of
9: bass? Course.
1: Just adding it in.
9: Thank
1: you, Robin. Well, what do you say?
9: Who? This guy? Well, Primus, of course.
1: Fucking moron. (laughs) All right, I'll ask Robert. Right, that'll be the first question. Great bass player. I'm not a big Primus guy, I guess. I don't know. It's not that I don't like them. I just don't know enough of their music. All right, Ralph. What up? Hey now.
2: Hey, I just want to say good morning. This is fantastic. Hey I, I think I, for I think we should do a show.
8: It is day. morning for Ralph. I forgot.
1: Yeah, he just woke up.
2: <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm just having coffee. Uh, but you know, I got to say about Metallica. The first thing I always think of when when the band is mentioned is that time we saw them. When they did the uh, with the orchestra at Madison Square Garden, that was like maybe the best show I've been to in my life. It was just so fucking different.
1: Ralph Incredible. and uh, it was Ralph, a couple other people. I won't mention them all, but we Richie, all went yeah. to see Metallica at the um, <laughs> Madison Square Garden, and we got so charged up. We were right at the um, we were at the base of the stage, and they were fucking playing with a seventy piece orchestra. We got so jacked up. I we think were I,
2: right on top of him. We were between them and the audience. I mean, we were right there.
1: It was crazy. Yeah, and I don't think Robert remembers, but um, we were jamming with him on stage. Like we were, we were like headbutting and he was almost like right on top of us. And then I got so we—I don't know how it happened, but we—one of the dudes we were with—we pulled his pants off. <laughs> what <laughs> we did? Yeah, we took his pants off. His whole—he was naked. Uh, we got we got crazy. The Metallica music, makes, you know what? I got to say, I bet you Metallica and the Black Album have been responsible for more dudes getting into shape, because I remember when I used to be able to work out and actually lift decent amount of weight. I'd always have that Black Album on and I get all jacked up and was like, uh, that was, was
8: your album to pump iron yeah. to Yes.
1: But you remember how gorgeous I was, Robin, years ago? Yes, with mine. you were like an Adonis. I was an Adonis. Oh, I was like a I was like a racehorse and um, oh my <laughs> oh my but real i remember we we took uh um, we took our friend richie's pants off we just ripped his pants off is <laughs> <Was> that richie <laughs> yeah we just pulled him away <laughs> down like he was like so into he didn't even realize his pants were off he was completely moaning <laughs> the entire Metallica audience
2: richie got raved at the concert he has a much different no. uh memory of it
1: <laughs> we were so charged up we all in gay we, it, it was so masculine that uh, we went over. Is that what you
8: could slip over into gay? You get so far over no. on the masculine scale, no. you slip over.
1: No, in <laughs> fact, uh, it, I remember uh, uh, I met a woman that night, and and uh, I, I was so jacked up. You know, I was single at that concert. I was so yeah. jacked up that uh, I took her home and made love to her. Uh, you did You wild. just
8: met her that night.
1: Just yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, crazy. I was, I was so that. masculine that night. I was not <laughs> only homosexual, I was also heterosexual all in one night.
8: You were both. It was crazy. I was bi
1: <laughs> You were binary. <laughs> that, that, that music, that album makes me mental. <laughs> it, it makes me very fluid. <laughs> I, I, I was fluid. I you was know, Ralph never
8: switched back apparently. What no, happened to him that night? It sucked.
1: Metallica turned him full gay.
2: You know, I'm very gay, and it's because of Metallica. So I want to not thank them for that.
1: And thanks to Metallica, I, I I produced my biggest load ever. It was huge. Really? Yeah. It was. I, I mean, oh bye. It, was, it was. It was quite wonderful. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a break now, and then I'm going to get Metallica. Meta- I think Metallica is Metallica in LA with with Miley Cyrus. Yes, that's a good pair. Okay, good. Yeah. I want to. Um, I also want to tell Miley I've been very proud of myself. Like a lot of her videos, she's very sexual and always wearing hot outfits and or
8: or practically oh, yeah. naked yeah. Or, or
1: sometimes naked, like in *Wrecking yeah. Ball*. And um, I I really believe that if I, you know, as attractive as she may be, I think of her in a daughterly way. This is how much I've matured that like I wouldn't bang her. I you know, yes, I'd bang her mother, but not her. <laughs> I would treat her. I'm being serious. I would be, (laughs) I would be, I I haven't been sexual. I haven't been feeling like I'm acting my age. I,
2: so when she's running around in those videos and her, her her boobs are practically hanging out, she looks super hot in them. You're just uh, watching them (laughs) and thinking,
1: I'm thinking about, you know what? I might have to lecture her until I put some clothes on. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I've matured. All right. I got to go, dude. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Ralph. Yeah. We, we started ripping off other dudes' clothes that night. Amazing! Wow. It's a big night. All right, so Rob. I don't know first how that all, didn't make the press. I don't know how that stayed quiet. You know, I don't know because we did it, in, it at Madison Square Garden. For, yeah, but you know, I, people were riveted to Metallica. I guess they didn't see uh, my friend's pants coming down.
8: That's how good it was. I guess nobody yeah. saw you yanking down a man's pants.
1: He had a nice ass I'll give him that <laughs> nothing to be ashamed of he's no fart man well Robin we celebrate today's a celebration so we decided to do a show Thursday afternoon we celebrate um Metallica's great accomplishment the thirtieth anniversary of the black album I think one of the greatest albums ever made it's uh and I will prove that by um presenting the facts I will be like a lawyer. This
8: is uh, the case of is the black album one of the greatest albums ever made?
1: Well, it is. And uh the um, defense,
8: Howard Stern.
1: I think this is uh just one of the greatest albums. I mean, I, I can go through it song by song, which I probably will, but um I guess live from the Los Angeles studios somewhere, there's Metallico standing by with Miley Cyrus. And you say, "How did these guys get together?" But Miley wanted to honor the 30th anniversary of the Black Album. Uh, l- let me see. Uh, are the, are the, is the gang ready?
10: Yes, we are. We are here. Oh, good, good morning. See. Hey, good afternoon. Wow. Look, you know this. Is, good afternoon to you. This looks like
1: a high school yearbook picture. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you blow that up bigger, gang? I got to really want to take this in. It's really yeah. Like we're, we're ready Miley for
10: Talks. You know, Four as and me- one angel. Yeah,
1: the the guys in Metallica. First of all, uh, it is so beautiful. I think of Miley to, uh, of course, be part of this celebration of the 30th anniversary of the Black Album. But, but the, the first question it, it, we must know: Why did you not? Why did Metallica not celebrate uh, the 15th anniversary of Hannah Montana by recording a Hannah Montana song? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
10: What we happened? Cool enough. Enough. <laughs> Miley didn't have our number yet. At yeah. the time. Cool so uh, our, we were busy playing in Antarctica. I, think I that blame management. <laughs> she was a miter. Miley, this we'll
1: is very sweet of you.
11: No, I'm. I it, I'm honored. I covered nothing else matters a couple years ago at Glastonbury, and Lars was there, and we had That's met right. a couple of times. So this is totally as unnatural as it looks. It makes a lot of
10: sense. This this predates. This predates the album project, actually, which is so cool because it's organic. Mm-hmm, for sure.
1: Well, but, but you know, Miley, as long as I've now known her, is is really been, she's been performing uh, covers of some really difficult, rock, you know, rock and roll legendary songs. Uh, were you guys aware of that? Of, like when she did, um, she did Black Dog, and I was shocked when she did it. I'll- hey, hey, mama
0: said the way you move, i am you sweat, I'ma
11: you and the Q's. <laughs> right? Come on,
4: that's
11: nice. That's no-
4: <laughs> oh. It's epic.
1: That's a difficult oh, yeah, thing. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. hitting so, those so
5: notes. She's, so she's got. She the belongs child. in rock. I mean, yeah, she's got the. She's the got balls.
4: the balls. She's got. I got the balls, done. She's, she's, done. she's covered
5: that.
10: that one too. She's got. Oh, she's punch. got the growl.
5: <laughs> she's got the growl up there <laughs> and the. It just sounds supernatural. I've heard, yeah, yeah, plenty of other stuff, zombie and a few other things, and really awesome. Right. Uh, I I think she's Approved. making the right moves, you know. She's, uh, you know, making that transition into, uh, you know, uh, a extremely, extremely respected singer.
10: Yeah. We actually have an announcement today. Uh, we were going to, Maybe wait a little bit longer and the broadcast. But uh Miley's actually joining Metallica. Yeah, isn't it right? Metallica. Um, M- yes, uh, finally my found a singer.
11: We've been looking for 40 years. We
10: started out. That's right. We started out M- looking for Mildallica. a singer. Metallica. James Mildallica. wanted to play guitar, and James was singing to kind of for the first few months just to keep it going, so we could get out of the house and have first some fun. First few months. <laughs> and well, uh, were still balls. singing, but. uh all that's in the past now. First of all, <laughs> Hello, there world. Are, this is the new singer.
1: <laughs> there, there are so many similarities. <laughs> for, well, first of all, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Miley behind her back. But Miley's difficulty in life, it, not that it's a difficulty, but she really, as a kid, was put on this Disney show, Hannah Montana. And, if, and and, in a way, it was harder for her to prove her rock and roll credibility and the fact that she's a bigger singer than, than just pop music Um, unlike Metallica, who, you know, you guys had your childhood and you could form your own sort of vibe and what you wanted to do. On the other hand, can you imagine uh, being like a 7-year-old or a 9-year-old? I don't know how old you were when you started Hannah Montana, Miley, but it was young. And and so you don't really get to form your rock and roll identity if that's what really is living inside of you. You know what I mean?
11: Well, the one thing I will say is... Rock and roll, the the thing that I love right now is that it's really focused on my music, focused on the vocals, but a lot of rock and roll is also about making people talk, you know, and and question and say something, and so that's why I, I had originally covered Nothing Else Matters, and the reason why I think it means a lot to me doing this now with metallica because i think there was a lot of judgment kind of what you're talking about is me breaking out of not the fear that i would have of what would change if i made the music i really wanted to but the judgment from the outside of not being looked at as a credible artist because of where i came from and so when an artist or a band like metallica kind of validates my transition and not just by saying you belong here but by following through and and having me perform today with them, with you. It's just, it kind of validates everything that I'm doing, which again, I don't always search for, but it definitely feels good to know that I am, because there was a kind of rocky transitional period for sure, where a lot of my fans, um, they feel dis, you know, you kind of couldn't win. They would feel disappointed. Like by me leaving a certain identity behind, I would leave them too, but it's been, kind of this journey of taking them along with me and the way that i've been able to do that before transitioning my own music was by doing covers um so party in the usa is still in the set we can't stops in the set but right before it i just did uh joplin's maybe at bottle rock and to introduce my fans to that music too and and show them that they can still kind of have it all and i want to have it all too i want to be genre you know
1: yeah no i i, I, I think it's that. great i do I too love that. i love it and, um, and 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 really, it's funny, Metallica, in a way, when we celebrate the Black Album, as we will today, uh, some of the Metallica fans were like, the Black Album's a betrayal. Uh, there's love songs on there. But to me, in retrospect, the Black Album is a breakthrough album. The band was never more musical and, and, and more... Uh, it's a mind-blowing album. I want to say, too, that Miley, now, you covered for Charity um you covered this same metallica song but, but Elton John plays piano on it and um and and that i thought that was beautiful too uh and on and with us right now is just Elton John to say hello this is really quite star studded metallica miley cyrus and Elton John Elton are you there uh, there I am. he is
12: look oh at you man. oh hey. my god hi guys hi miley hi, it, Hallie? Hallie?
13: hello Great to elton see you. how you doing hey
1: Great. Elton, i'm no mind reader that. but i think what you're saying to yourself right now if i'm correct is god howard looks younger and more youthful and uh, more more wonderful than ever i'm sure uh, yeah, the no. miracle of gauze yes <laughs> yes <laughs> elton talk to me about uh metallica for a second you you um for charity you you are putting out a new album too and this song that you did with miley appears on both albums It appears on metallica's album appears on right. your new album um working with miley and playing piano to a metallica song people would naturally think oh elton john doesn't play a metallica song but this is this is
12: kind of an elton john song it's a beautiful uh, piano piece you do with this song well it that idea came from andrew watt who pl- produced the track and played guitar on it and he said i want you to start the song and finish the song because i don't want it to start with a guitar because that's how the original record started um, and I just thought, okay. And I did it via Zoom in London, uh, and he was in L.A. And listen, this is one of the best songs ever written to me. I mean, it's just... Yes. It's a song that never gets old. And playing on this track, I just couldn't wait, because the chord structure, the melodies, the time ch- changes, it's got, it's got drama written all over it. And uh, I just thought it was a great idea to start with piano. Um, and then we finished it. And as a result of that, Yo-Yo Ma appeared on the record, because Andrew then said, well, I think... You know, at the end and the, in the middle bit, Yo-Yo Ma should play cello. So it all built up from there. But I have to say, it was a no-brainer playing on this song. It's Metallica are probably, the, you know, the creme de la creme of those kind of bands. Of uh, you can't really define them. Not a heavy metal band. They're a musical band. They write music. Well, to um, me, this is one the of the greatest of love songs on record. They've played with the San Francisco... I mean, they're a musical band. They're, their songs aren't just heavy metal. They're beautiful songs. And this is such a, a melodic song. It's just it's fucking great, actually.
1: It really is fucking great. And I love the <laughs> collaboration between you and Miley and this, the way you, 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 you interpreted it through piano. Is that a difficult thing to do? When you listen to a Metallica song, and because it's so heavy guitar riff, you know, it's guitar riffs and, and guitar-driven, is it a difficult thing for you to sit down and start playing that on the piano or do you immediately hear in your head, I know how to, I
12: know how to translate this into a piano piece? I think because the song is so melodic, um, you know, it's a very beautiful song. If you just take all the guitars and just sing the song a cappella. It's a bit like Green Sleeves. Um, it's a beautiful melody. So, you know, when you've got a beautiful melody to play to, with all the rest going on, it's, um, it's a juxtaposition of musical instruments. And so I found it really easy. I mean, it's a kind of classical song. It's like a classical piece of music. Um, so I was, you know, I didn't find it difficult at all. I just had a ball
1: what 's it like for you, Metallica, to hear Elton John say these things number one, because I know you guys you, know, you, you i 'm probably in your wildest dreams you never you, you never would have thought Elton John would be recording uh, a song of yours uh, How did you come to get Elton to do this and 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 uh, what was it like when you first heard the track?
10: Well, like Elton said, uh Andrew Watt, who's a producer here in l a uh, that sort of initiated the project. Uh, Came up with the idea. He and you know, and Rob played on it uh, with Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers. They laid the foundation down, and I was somewhat in the communication loop. And he texted me or called up one day and said, "What do you think of maybe getting Elton to play <laughs> the intro and the outro and put piano through the song?" It's like, uh, "Okay, Andrew, that sounds like a great idea." And within a day, it it was it, it, you know happening. And it was just, holy shit, you know. I'm thinking, uh, thank you for your kind words, Elton. It's great to see you. Um, I'm just sitting here. We're celebrating our 40th anniversary this year. And um, if if you could have said 40 years ago when James and I started down the 605 in fucking Norwalk in a garage down there without a pot to piss in, uh, trying to figure out how to channel our favorite new wave of British heavy metal artists into something that was our own, if you could say 40 years later, That we would still be functioning, that we would be sitting here, one of the greatest stars in the world next to us with Elton on a Zoom and doing your radio show talking about the accomplishments and what this record means to so many people. That would be the mind fuck of all mind fucks. So it's, it's just crazy cool. And to sit here, uh, I've, I found myself talking about this record in the last week in a bunch of interviews finally and and it's again and it's I, I think maybe coming out of covid coming out of the last 18 months um you know resetting the way you think about your life about how you interact with the world what music how music uh makes such a difference in a dark 18 months like we've had it just it's a total reset of your priorities and your world view and I'm just personally going through a period of humble and appreciation and gratefulness. And so to be able to hear, uh, what you just said, Elton, sitting next to, uh, James, who's been, we've been doing this for 40 years together. The reaction that I could feel in his body language when you said it was one of the greatest songs ever written. I know how much that means to you. And so, uh, this is just incredible to hear. So thank you.
1: Yeah. You know, Elton, you're a very generous man because, um, i think you really i think this turns you on even more sometimes than even doing your own music because you've said to me in interviews you loved being a session musician you loved going in and kind of making people's records other people's records it was a great joy to you and i think in a lot of ways young artists today They don't think to pick up the phone and call Elton John and ask for his help or say, hey, would you like to do this song? Because they're intimidated by
12: you and they think you wouldn't have an interest. But you love this. You like this kind of collaboration. Well, funnily enough, the album I'm putting out was never going to be. I did have no intentions of making a record during lockdown. I was just having a great time with my kids and my uh, my family. Um, And then... It all became accidental because I started playing on people's records. I think this was the fourth track I did. I did Charlie Puth, Surfaces, uh, Gorillas, and then I did Metallica. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did some other people who asked me to play. I did Glenn Campbell, Little Nas X, Rina Sawayama, um, who's also on the album singing Enter Sandman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I became a session musician again. And then when I did Little Nas X and Glenn Campbell, I ended up in uh, uh, Abbey Road Studio 2, 44, 54 years before that, I'd just played piano on the he- Hollies, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. And I thought, Christ, here I am, 54 years later, playing on other people's records, and I'm having a ball. It's wonderful to play with other musicians. It's yes, great. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. in the 60s and 70s, musicians played with each other all the time. They pick the phone up, they play on each other's albums. Um, and this, for me, being able yeah. to play on people's music, especially this song... Um, was rejuvenating. It gave me so much happiness at a time when, as, as last said, we were refiguring re- what what we were going to do for the rest of our lives during COVID. We had to have a reset button. Um, but out of that came this song and, 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 and consequently, I have an album coming out and, ju- and music, you know, heals people. It really does. At times when people, the chips are down, people turn to music and they turn to sport or whatever, but music especially. And, this song is just a song that, I don't know, you can hear it any time and it brings you joy, it can bring you sadness, it's got everything, every component of a great song is in this lyrically and musically. So it was one of the inspirations for me doing my record, so I'm very grateful. You know, uh, Elton, I know I only have you for a few minutes and then
1: we're, we're going to get on with this celebration. Miley's actually going to perform with Metallica, but... Um, Um, Let
12: me talk about Miley. Can
1: I just talk about Miley? Yeah, let's talk about Miley. First of all, Miley is, I say this about Miley. Miley is a great singer, and Miley is a great rock and roller. And she's gone through a lot to prove to audiences that she can really rock with the best of them. I take great joy when I uh, look at Miley's videos, and underneath you read comments like, Wow, Miley Cyrus can really rock. Man, she's got the chops, blah, 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 blah. It's, um, it's, uh, but it's been a rough road for her
12: to prove herself in a way, right? She had to... She doesn't have to after, uh, I mean, she did some stuff at the, uh, Whiskey, she did uh, Zombie, um, and I I talked to Miley and said, girl, you know, when this is all over, you've got to go out and get yourself a banner, just fucking rock people's asses off, because (laughs) when I heard her sing, Nothing Else Matters, I just couldn't believe it, The low voice that starts out, Mm -hmm. and then it just astonishing, her voice, and, you know, she's probably the best Rock and roll singer out there, without question. Agree. It's been frustrating. I know it's been frustrating her because she can't because of COVID. But she's been itching to do this kind of shit for a long time, and now she can. And people are just going to be blown away by this.
10: Thank you so yeah. much. and also, can I say the uh, at the Chris Cornell tribute uh, two three years ago, where there was a lot of star power in that building, one A lister after another, uh, and great, just great, you know. Uh, pool of musical talent Miley stole the show uh hands down and that was the the talk of of the no. event afterwards I mean you, you tore so that much. shit up
1: Thank yeah you. what'd you well, do there Miley you say hello to heaven right
11: yeah, yeah. and two drinks yeah. minimum. <laughs>
1: on that yeah it was great Uh, Elton listen I know I only have you for a few minutes uh, but I I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about what I read Uh, everyone is talking about it your friend Ed Sheeran uh, recently gave you a gift of a giant penis uh, statue Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) the the whole world wants to know yeah, where is that, and what's happening with the giant penis <laughs> statue? I'm actually sitting
12: on it, Howard. It's like, I knew it. I knew it. That's why I asked. <laughs> you do that so well. Uh, that's why I'm in such a good mood. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I know you're full of I compliments. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, it's up in. It's hidden away. We were, <laughs> I was going to put it in the garden. Uh-huh. And the we, said, we have two young boys, and I thought yeah. so it's, it's hidden away it in, the in my in my office somewhere, which they don't go to. Um, Elton, look how but,
1: things have changed. I mean, here you are, you got a giant penis for a uh, gift, and, and, and here you are, a responsible father, putting it away somewhere so that the kids won't see it. I, I mean, who would have thought? Who
12: would have thought? Who would have thought? In the old days, it would have been on display. We'd have been of eating course. and snorting coke off it. Okay? Right. <laughs> yeah, yes. Who was the we penis model? after? By Do we know? Do we know whose penis it was? But, uh, I have no it? idea, but um, I don't know. It might be. Who Watt, You know, Andrew. What talks about his penis all the time? So it could well be his. <laughs> the, the, does
1: the does the maid does the maid polish it or is that inappropriate? I I, I wonder. Uh, I, I haven't
12: talked to the maid. She always comes out looking very happy when she's in that room. So um, who knows? <laughs> how big By is the way, this thing? Oh, how it's big, is it? big it's bloody big! It's about that tall, huge, <laughs> and that <laughs> thick. Um, so you know.
1: You know, if I had to buy a gift for Elton John, i I would never, that, I would never think to to buy something like this. I would, I, I, oh, how would you would? Come no, on, it,
12: be, give yourself it, some credit. It, 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 does it
1: have balls or uh, no balls?
12: Being a prick for yourself, you could easily <laughs> buy a prick for someone else. Uh,
1: but, uh, no, it has Elton balls. J- yeah, it does have balls. Thank God, it does. Um, Elton's new album, The Lockdown Sessions, is available for pre-order wherever music is sold, um, and you—you uh, you know, it, it, it's a—it's a conglomeration of all kinds of things that Elton's been up to. I guess all—all all during COVID, right? I mean, this is this is how it all yeah. came about
12: as it never meant to be an album. I, I, I was in lockdown. I came from Australia. The last show I did it was 7th of March, 2020. Came to LA. It started lockdown. I met Charlie Puth in a restaurant. He said, I live near you. Let's write a song. I went up to his house, wrote the song. Next day, I went next door to my publisher's house and did the Surfaces track. Came back to Gorillaz and, and the Metallica track, Rina Sawayama, Glenn Campbell, Little Nas X, and It's a Sin with all uh, years and years. And I thought, fuck, I've got an album nearly here so i went to lm work with andrew for five days and uh, six days and we did uh, brandy carlisle um stevie wonder talk to me uh, about brandy carlisle for a second she did a concert for us uh,
1: exclusively for us over the summer she does a cover of man man across the water have you heard it I
12: have indeed, yeah. She's been a friend of mine for 18 years. She wrote me a letter and said, I'm a fan of yours, would you play on my record? And I said, absolutely. So we've been friends ever since. So she did a track, Stevie Nicks did a track. I wrote one song with Eddie Vedder, and two songs with Eddie Vedder, one for him, one for me, because he's got an album coming out. And then I did um, Young Thug and Nicki Minaj. How about that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it's fantastic and, and listen I love you for popping on here I know I, I can't oh, listen, keep you but these guys and Miley, this is a great record this is a great band, one of the greatest bands of all time, it's their 40th anniversary this is a classic album it's a no brainer to come on and pay tribute to people like that and uh, you know it's the nicest thing about it is After all this time, it's hard to be in a band. You know, they're different personalities. These guys are still together. It's like you two. I admire that, you know, because it's the hardest bloody thing in the world. And uh, they've survived, I'm sure, many ups and downs, as I have as a solo artist. But it's much harder as a band. So kudos to Metallica. They are one of the greatest bands of all time. That is a miracle. You're right, Elton
1: a band that can stay together this band has had its troubles and they and they yep. and they work through them even the right guys with the psychiatrist the whole thing i mean it, it really it's it's it very few because bands they love do each it. other
12: because they love each other and that's very very rare and i'm very very touching
1: elton i am so honored that you came on today i want to thank you again and i will be mailing you a giant marble anus for your garden,
12: anus. Yeah. an anus. That's Is it your penis. anus or not? Uh, it's Uranus. Yes. And, uh, you are I, I can't wait to get that in the post <laughs> <laughs> from one arsehole to
1: another. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Listen, uh, Elton, I can't thank you enough. Uh, the great, it's great Elton to see John. You, Elton. Who, thank you. Thank you. You're joining. welcome, guys. Thanks. thanks all the Miley, I love you to
12: bits. Okay. <laughs> love you too, Elton.
11: Thank you. Well,
1: I thank love my. that man, Elton John. Good lord. Wow. What music? Wow. I mean, seriously, guys. You would never think that Elton John would sit there and talk about Metallica in such a way that you guys, you know, we talked about this the last time. Metallica, you know, I'm talking the early years, the angry young men. And and, and really, I don't even think you would have been open to collaboration, either with Miley or Elton or anyone else. It was just like you just have to. And then you get to a mature place and you you go, oh, my God, isn't this great? Kind of meeting these musicians and having this kind of acceptance
10: he's he's incredible he he does uh remember back in the in the day we'd hear stories about Elton there were sightings of him at Tower Records up on Sunset and right. Elton would go shopping and go in and like grab every single record that was coming out that week he always had a reputation for being super keen interested open to what was going on with other mm. music and there was a great uh, documentary on Tower records that came out maybe five ten years ago and there's a segment on him in there shopping <laughs> in like the late 70s early 80s he's just like it's tuesday morning at you know uh, noon or whatever people are in you know there's elton john buying eight records that came out that day and, and he's always just had such a a, a generous and selfless love of of music and his peers, and has given so much back to his community. It's uh, what a what an incredible inspiration, it's, you know, something for all of us to aspire to.
1: Now, let's talk about the song that Miley's going to do with you guys to honor the Black Album. We're talking about nothing else matters. I consider this one of the greatest love songs of all time. We know from past conversations that uh, James, you said. Um, you didn't even want to present this song to the to the band because you thought it was too much it, it was too much of a love song you were kind of ashamed of it you were embarrassed to show this kind of emotion on a record right
5: Yeah absolutely that was one of those just very vulnerable places and you know that was the last thing especially late 80s you know we built this reputation of tough guy and you know we're made of stone you can't hurt us blah 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 and this is one of the most vulnerable things and obviously the the tough armor that you put on is protecting a yet a you know the tougher the armor the bigger the heart you want to show and but you're afraid to so i was i was shocked when bob rock and lars both said that is beautiful that's an amazing song and it really did it was a life-changing experience to be okay playing this for them and them accepting it it was it was life-changing
1: and when you when you sang it, too, you sang it with such heart. You didn't sing it with your usual gruff kind of thing. It was a different voice for you, right? It, it, it might have been difficult, I would imagine, to change it up like that.
5: It wasn't difficult because it felt natural. That's what I wanted wow. to do on that song. So, I mean, just like, you know, Miley was talking about earlier. It's like, this is what I like doing. I hope the fans like it because this is me. And if you like the artist, you're going to like what I'm doing, I hope.
1: You know, you and Miley both being lead singers, I would think you actually have a lot in common. I was watching a video of you, Miley. Um, Miley was preparing for some sort of appearance or something. She got on a treadmill, put it up to like it looked like she was running at full speed. And starts singing at the top of her lungs. Have you ever, James, have you ever seen this video of her doing this? <laughs> no. No. Okay. No. But you know lead singers, and and James. <laughs> quite frankly, uh, Miley, I don't know if you know this about James, but when James would have vocal problems, and and I always said the Jews are behind uh, the black album because um, James went to a cantor, and uh, the cantor taught him how to sing, and uh, and, and and in a way he um, he he helped your voice, he saved your voice lead singers will do anything to protect that voice and some of it's nonsense but some of it it really worked why why a treadmill running at top speed and singing what does that do for you Miley
11: I was you know it was my first gig back after covid and so i was right. kind of worried about my stamina i hadn't done a show that's 70 80 minutes long I, everything i've been doing was from home. Um, and so that's what I was really trying to build. I was trying to build back my athleticism because that's really what it takes. And when it comes to breath control and not running out and having enough to also not just, I really wanted to deliver because the first show that I had done back, I was telling Lars about it was all healthcare workers. And so they were essential parts of us getting to where we are now which is us in person doing this music and uh, I really wanted to deliver for that audience so I wanted to make sure I didn't just stand there and freeze I, and I knew I would kind of be shocked from being locked away for almost a full year and then coming out to 20,000 people for the first time in a while and so I was trying to build back my my breath control and my stamina.
1: Yeah, I mean, you guys can talk about lead singers have it the roughest in a band in a way. I mean, I'm sure you. you I, I would even think the band would think that because the voice can give out at any time. Why did you go to a canter? Uh, th- th- this was during making of the Black album, w- uh, and you felt yeah. what your voice your voice needed more power, or you felt like you were losing your voice.
5: Oh, I had lost my voice in the studio. We were, like, in the middle of... I I mean, back then, I was a little clueless on how to care for myself and all of that or Mm -hmm. even stand up for myself and say, uh, I'm done singing today. You know, I didn't want to let the team down. But I lost my voice. I remember doing... I think it was Struggle Within and the song So What, (laughs) you know, which is just, you know, pretty rude punk, just screaming it. And, um... Yeah, it scared scared the hell out of me. It was the first time that I felt, uh-oh, something's different, something's wrong. So I had to go I went to a doctor and then he suggested a vocal coach and it just happened to be uh yeah, a cantor who was in this area somewhere up in the hills and it was very helpful. I was super scared. Like, oh great, now I'm going to start singing, you know, opera, <laughs> or you know, I'm going to start doing bar mitzvahs
1: or something. Yeah, you said, well, how was yeah. your bar mitzvah? Yeah, that was my bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> but it helped, right? I mean, oh, it, it got absolutely your voice back. helped. Yeah,
5: it 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 was again breaking down all these walls of fear that things are going to change and it's going to be terrible, or so he's going to change me and all of that. It's like. You know, it's all in my attitude and he helped me. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for that person.
1: How much wasted energy do we all have when we think like that? Like, oh, I can't do this because it'll change me. Um, I used to think in radio, I can't be friends with any guy in radio. I have to be fucking pissed off at them and hate their guts. And You know, it was just stupid theories I had as a young man. and And all this stuff closes you off. Uh, you know, um, I know. Like Kirk, I, you take it to an extreme. Kirk practices his guitar in a shark cage. I mean, uh, these are all crazy,
7: <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> crazy. This <laughs> is true. <laughs>
1: no, but 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 it it is amazing that um, with with singing and 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 you start or, or even writing music, you start to think I'll lose my edge if I, I like a certain kind of music or if I write a love song. It's uh, it, it can really hold you back. It it, it truly can. But yeah. this song so close, no matter how far, couldn't be much more from the heart, forever trusting who we are and nothing else matters. You were sitting on the phone to a woman that you were in love with, I assume, and you were far away from her. And does this while you're talking to her, you start strumming the song? Is that is that true?
5: I don't know. I don't remember. My memory's so terrible. But I do remember being on a phone call and just sitting there with a the guitar, which was kind of normal. And because it's all open tuning, it's E and then the bottom three strings just going back and forth. And all of a sudden, hey, there's a, that sounds okay. There's a melody here. And then, you know, for me, guitar pieces or parts that I love are... They have a rhythm going in the background, and then there's a melody on top of it. You know, almost you know classical stuff. So, it just happened, and then it just went from there. It's not me; it it came from somewhere else. So, grateful to be the 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 person it came through. You know?
1: Yeah, but do you think of this woman when you sing the song? Do you? I mean, who? Or is it? Is it like that? That's not there anymore.
5: It's not there anymore. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not. You know, it's one of those things. It was part of my life growing up. It was a relationship, you know. There's been quite a few relationships uh, that I've learned from, and that was certainly one of them.
1: When you wrote the words, never opened myself this way, life is ours, we live it our way. All these words I don't just say and nothing else matters. In other words, it was freaking you out to be this in love. That you were away on the road and you missed this woman so much. This has never happened to you before. You were never able to open your heart that way.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Wow.
5: Yeah. Oh, well, and, you know, being uh, <clears throat> model modeling after the 70s r- rock star uh, guidebook of what you're supposed to do on the road, you know, it was it was a revolving bed, you know, and that was kind of what it was. And And... So actually not really knowing what love was, you know, we we weren't really exposed to it, you know, maybe family love and stuff like that. But uh, actually having someone that you cared about uh, was a scary thing. You know, it was almost unwelcomed you know oh you get a girlfriend how weak
7: you know how weak is (laughs)
5: that you know it's like oh my god i'm screwing up i'm not doing the rock and roll right here you know
1: (laughs) well man but when i look at this song i go wow what a position of strength to open your heart to someone like that and to sing about it and to say hey i'm a vulnerable human being it was a big that would to me that is one of the biggest leaps in terms of the songwriting on this album that we're celebrating today it really was a big deal for you to say that like i'm i'm a dude who has a heart and i'm and i have emotions and i'm
10: not just some tough fucking heavy metal guy you know it yeah. it, it was a big that, deal and that and that's definitely the we were kind of at a crossroads because we'd made four records that all you know songs kept getting longer and longer and more self-indulgent and kind of more progressive and and by the time we'd done the injustice for all album and, and we were 10 years into what we're doing we knew we had to do something different uh, a bit of a reset and i remember clearly up in berkeley that day uh there was you know some riffs and some ideas and and james and i had just started and then james played uh the very very rough sketch of this uh and i'd never heard that side of him uh i didn't even know it existed and the vulnerability and and that tenderness And then the lyric and it was just within, you know, it's like this is something I've been working on, but it shouldn't be part of this record because it doesn't really fit with who we are. And I instantly knew that this was we had to embrace this because, again, it was, you know, we had to show people that there was more, you know, to what we were doing. And it was the perfect time because we were at this reset and these crossroads and it was time to. To kind of just let people in and and shed a little bit of that toughness that you were talking about. I think we were afraid of of getting stuck in it. Lars, did you know the woman that James was writing this about? Uh, Yes.
1: Is she super great or, uh, or is James out of his mind? (laughs) <laughs> we we're
5: all out of our
7: uh, mind at that point. Yes,
1: um, you're like, you're like, great song, but dude, you got to get away from her. Do you feel?
10: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, l- all- l- I'll let James run with this one. No, we, uh, Did-
5: we were all in our stuff at yeah. that point. <laughs> you know, we were. Does she know that out this of song? Our minds.
1: Is there a woman sitting there today saying, "Yeah, that song's about me"? Does she know it's about her? I don't know. No, oh, you know this? Of course, you know. No,
5: this is no, this is. Uh, you mean the the woman I wrote it for? Yeah, does she know you wrote it for her? I have no clue. I haven't really I haven't been in contact.
10: No.
8: This is no. amazing because you Lars know. remembers her better than James. <laughs>
10: <laughs> well, I, no, but, even I also have, but I also have a better memory than James. He, <laughs> uh,
5: absolutely, and he saw me clearly. <laughs> right. He saw me more clear than I saw myself. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, well, uh, <laughs> Kirk, Kirk, was it upsetting to you that this is the only song on the album that we celebrate today, the Black Album? This was the only song on the album that James took all of the lead uh, guitar parts on. Uh, they did not allow you to play lead on this. Were you, are, 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 do you want to say something to James now about how selfish he was on this uh, report?
13: I mean, you know, it's just, when he first played that solo, I was just like, that's, that's like the perfect solo. I mean, you know, he just one day he just started playing the solo. I was just like that's that he hit it just right on 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 the nose. <laughs> and i think i was still getting oh, wow. over the shock of yeah. of james writing a love song to his girlfriend at that point still
10: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like, i'm, I'm just, not playing I'm, on that thing. i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> Kurt went <ran laughs> screaming in the other direction yeah,
5: <laughs> i got it well i have to say that you know for elton to I me mean, he's the king of melody i mean he he put melody into my heart i mean from i remember Even long before I I knew about Black Sabbath or any of the other stuff my brother introduced me to, I remember picking up my tennis, a tennis racket, and rocking out to uh, Saturday Nights All Right for Fighting. It was like, Banana, Banana. It's like something. It's like he created melody in me. So for him, for, for Elton to say, this is one of the most beautiful songs and the melody is amazing. My heart is so full right now
1: from Melton, so I'm uh, um, everything you.
5: feels great right now. Yeah. <laughs> I am so glad. I, I am so that. glad
1: to hear you say that because as yeah. he was saying it, I got emotional because I really do. No, uh, you know, and you know how I love your band, but I believe this is one of the best love songs ever written. I really, truly do, Miley. Who, when you are now being asked to do this song, and you know the importance of this song to the band, um, who do you sing it to? Do you do, do, do you just kind of sing it or or do you have to have someone in mind?
11: No, I when I first started covering this song it was for Glastonbury because it's about honoring music and nothing else matters at that moment. When you're at Glastonbury any of the shit that is said about me it's my moment to kind of prove myself because mm-hmm. it's just focused on the music and when I did Glastonbury it was the first time that I went I didn't have any of the gags and no gimmicks. I wore pants and a shirt i had clothes on i didn't know how that was gonna go and be received Uh, and i brought instead of bringing you know any dancers or extra bits i just brought my sound wall and i had just a fuck ton of amps and i i think i even started my set with a cover which i didn't know how my fans would receive that but at that moment and it was right before, actually, that the world knew that I was getting a divorce, but I knew that I was, about two weeks before Glastonbury, and um, I had just lost my house in the fires, and this was my first show back, and so I, nothing else matters to me was about the music, because... You know, this whole conversation is just resonating with me. To hear, like, James say that he was afraid of something and knowing that at that point I was afraid of so much. Um, I had started my set with Amy Winehouse, then did Black Dog, did Nothing Else Matters. I had a lot of covers. But that's because at that point, Glastonbury was what was giving me life. I was so heartbroken. And my purpose was coming from this performance. Um, I got sober at that time. I really pulled my fucking shit together. And this song was what, drove me to that place because I knew that nothing else mattered my my life in in regards to love was kind of falling apart but I had my love for music so this is my love letter to music that's what it means to me
1: oh wow that's great I can't wait for you guys to do this together by the way you mentioned sobriety have you I don't know I don't know how close you guys are but have you ever talked to James about sobriety
11: we haven't. We just hung out yesterday. We got really drunk. No, we
1: didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, James. Because I've talked to Miley about this. Yeah. I think Miley's definition of sobriety is you can smoke a little weed and be sober. Now everybody has a different line for sobriety. Only am I if right?
11: my mom blows it in my face. That's only time right. I smoke weed. Keep it in the James,
1: family, yeah. Uh, 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 James, as someone who's been sober a long time, is Miley right on this? Can you smoke weed and be sober? Uh, the truth.
11: I only smoke uh, CBD. Only smoke I don't CBD. care.
1: CBD. <laughs> CBD, ABC, whatever. <laughs> but don't to me.
5: I don't know shit, okay? I really don't You definitely
11: don't anything. want to be this face of sobriety. Yet.
5: I know what <laughs> works for me and what doesn't work for me. Well, I'm still discovering what doesn't work for me. Uh, Still trying to find out what works for me. Actually, I like that answer that there's not all the fucked up stuff.
11: (laughs) I like that answer that it's all individual. How do I live?
5: How do I do this for me? I don't know what works for you. I'm going to ask you. Hey, what do you do when your head's in this place? Or blah blah blah. And I'm still learning. I'm teachable. Super teachable at 50. Where am I? I don't remember. 58. (laughs) And are you you 58? I think so. <laughs> wow.
1: That's unbelievable. You're 58. Go so, yeah, figure it out. Degrees, no, I asked so about sobriety know. because I think Miley, and by the way, Miley, I want to compliment you. Your outfit at Lollapalooza, you had that Gucci outfit on? Yes. Uh, yeah. Very, very attractive. Now, listen, I, I complimented myself beforehand. I, I I, look at you in a fatherly way. When oh, you put I on heard. these things, Yeah. When I, I am telling you, I mean your mom. No, your mom. I would do in a second if she'd had me. (laughs) Have you guys met Miley's mom? No. No, you don't want
11: your mom with Metallica. No, no, I just no. played Bottle Rock, and I went yeah. on at the same time as Guns N' Roses, and they were asking me if I was worried about that, and I said, no, you know, different audiences, no one's going to be divided, and my mom goes, except for me, but I'm seeing G&R, and I never <laughs> saw her for my entire show, my mom is a groupie, not my groupie, but... Yeah, so she, she only comes to these festivals so she can see the bands that she likes.
1: I see. So were you afraid to to introduce, were (laughs) were you afraid to introduce her to Metallica? I mean, these guys, uh, you know, they're very masculine. Uh, who knows what they would do with your mother. It would be, no, but I was telling
11: them when I was on your show the first time, I couldn't find my mom and all of a sudden I heard her country ass and all the speakers around the building. And I'm like, where is that coming from? And she was sitting there doing an interview, which, (laughs) <laughs> Should never happen again. Right. Well, look, <laughs>
1: <laughs> guys, oh, I think Mom. this is great. Now, let me be clear on this, and maybe I have it wrong. When Miley recorded this song for your for your album, you know, and and it's a it's a thing for charity. We'll get into all that. But um, when Miley recorded it, you guys, um, you know, she did most of it with Elton John. I know Robert, you were on the track and everything, but I don't. Miley, you've never actually performed this track with Metallica, have you?
11: No, I think, actually, Robert, you were there cutting right before or right after I was doing vocals. You were right. over at
14: Watts. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andrew had asked me to play bass on it, and uh, and I thought it would be an honor. Um, it, it, Alton came a little bit after, mm-hmm. and that was oh. really icing on the cake. Um,
11: it just kept getting better oh, he's and like more the layers. the the
14: song, though. How'd yeah. you guys do that? Andrew... Uh, Andrew, pretty much. You know,
11: I recorded man. basically to a click track because yeah. they were like, "We don't know who's going to be on this song," right. oh so God. I did this in my home studio, um, and basically to pretty much a click track. Uh, explain and they, then, to the audience then, what
1: a click track is, Miley, well, why, because we don't understand.
11: It was basically just time with no instrumentation and no, yeah, oh. basically and no music it's a and. Intro, no. What, you know, usually he over promises and does deliver, usually, but he was saying, yo, yo Ma's gonna be on it, Elton John's on it. I'm like, this is not happening. Well, I'm just gonna do my part because I told Lars personally that I would. Right. And I'm gonna know that I did my part, but none of this is happening. And I know we all weren't really playing on it, so I didn't know what was going to happen. And then it—it it just one piece kept coming together every single day. But, but with we that, also
10: have to hang up. We also have to throw some love to Chad Smith, yeah, Chad from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who played the drums on it, and is insane as always. And I, as he gets older, he gets more and more youthful. And I don't even know how the fuck he is doing. He played a lot doing, on Classic Hearts. But Robert and Chad, you, did you and Chad play together?
14: Actually, I played. Uh... I think i don't recall maybe i played just after him but what the beauty of this thing was we all um were feeding off of miley's vocal and that's what inspired us and and uh kind of drove us into this this place you know with our instruments and channeled that energy so it was miley's voice that inspired us to deliver that performance that you hear on that track from myself to chad i think this is one of the best no disrespect to the chili peppers but chad really stepped up he he played this song like a badge of honor and i was i was there i saw it and it was a beautiful moment and i think it's one of the best tracks he's ever recorded oh wow so with all well, I don't, that uh,
1: but i robert i don't understand how uh, and to miley's credit i don't understand and james is you as a singer how you sing to a click track, I mean, if it's just click, clock, click, clock, going back and forth, I mean, and you're singing a song, I would want to hear some guitars or drums or something to sing to. It, it, yeah, that seems... a melody on there. That Watt Andrew- was in
11: the room, and Watt had an acoustic, and we gave whole notes, so just strumming each note before on the click track to give me a pitch reference. That's good. But pretty much nothing. Uh, I have a video of it because it was kind of so ridiculous. Um, (laughs) Because this song, I mean, for Robert to say that, but really when I play it, and sometimes we even do it this way too with our timing, because especially as it kind of all starts to resolve, it's not super structured because there's so much emotion to the song that as the song, it kind of falls apart in this nice way, which is kind of impossible to do to the click track, because the point of a click track is for it to be the in perfect time. Um, and so to find that feeling of kind of the song it it needs to fall apart because of what the lyrics are and um that that was a bit i mean it wasn't really challenging because i know the song so well because i've listened to it so many times well um,
1: it it sounds incredibly bar, yeah. difficult and uh, and i, I want to tell you something based on what i'm hearing i'm going to send all of you a giant penis statue because uh, you you deserve it you really do thank you uh, I didn't have 16
11: <laughs> of them, but I'll take
1: a 17th. I didn't know you had 16 uh, uh, penis statues Big of in Big the there. house?
11: Hell yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Robert, I'll did you hear the discussion one. before okay. you guys came on? We asked who was the greatest bass player of all time, and of course you agree with me that it was Jack Bruce. Am I correct? My, hell
14: no. Jack Bruce is amazing. It's
1: <laughs> Robert Trujillo, <laughs> by far. No, I'm not counting Robert. I'm talking about okay. in terms of the history of bass players that you know that you've been influenced by. Uh, you know, I, I, am I correct?
8: Why are well, you Jack feeding Bruce- him? Let him tell you who it is. <laughs>
1: because I because he needs to agree with me. He needs
13: to.
14: Uh, I agree with you, Howard. I, I, I agree with you there
13: too, you Howard. I'm a, I'm a big Jack Bruce fan, so I of think course. he's definitely
14: but up there. Robert,
10: who who would you put up there at the top?
14: Well, it, when you get into that mode, there. I look at so many different players for so many different reasons. Obviously, Jaco Pastorius for Great. his edge and attitude, as you know. But yes, then, and
1: you made a film that. about him, did you not? Jaco
14: Pastorius. Yeah. Yes. yes. But then yes. Geezer Butler, man. I, I love Geezer. I always have him on that pedestal. It's um, the way he bends the notes and he feels everything he's playing. So that's a tough question, you know. Uh, also, right.
10: remember, we're, to- we're talking about drummers. Remember, we're talking about uh, yeah. Neil Peart versus John Bonham. But I think you got to put Geddy Lee, who was the bass player in Rush. Right. He's up at the very top of that list also, isn't he?
14: Absolutely. Geddy Lee, I used to play uh, YYZ in Backyard Parties when I was in 11th grade, you know. <laughs> Down I was always the, upset that I LA. looked like
1: Geddy Lee. Uh, <laughs> it's not a great look, honestly. <laughs> never got a lot of girls <laughs> all right guys listen to me uh miley i would imagine this is a big deal have you guys rehearsed this all together or is this literally the first uh, time we, you're playing it
10: barely we've uh we've uh stumbled through it um when did you see it's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's with a lot
1: of heart It's with a lot of heart miley are you nervous love- doing this with the band
11: uh am i nervous it's a different no. feeling than nervous. No, I'm nervous. I'm always nervous to sit here cuz this show sometimes this especially this room, you know what I really miss Howard is doing it in the room where we get yeah. to have this conversation with you because I know. how you were saying the vocal really like kind of fed the instrumentation. When you're in the room, it Mm. feeds this whole conversation. And so I just miss you, Howard. But I miss doing songs in that way because I like when the conversation leads into the song in an organic way. Because when you're, when we were just having that conversation with Elton and listening to what James was having to say about writing it in fear, and the word that kept getting used was acceptance, Um, y'all accepting. The music, the lyrics, Elton, how he loves to be a session player. And you and I have had the conversation before that you kind of found your sound through
10: covers, right? Absolutely, you guys yeah. covering. Yeah, Metallica started as a cover band, too. And
11: Absolutely. so that's what resonates with me the most is because I have found myself through other artists like Metallica. Nothing else matters. You know, Angels Like You is a song I did with Watt, which is my pop rock version of a of a song like nothing else matters um so you take these little parts from you become this mosaic of artists that you love and that you respect. So I'm very excited. I don't love how much hype there's been around it beforehand. I'd rather sing mm-hmm. it and know it goes well than say Miley fucking crushes it and then I botch it. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens.
10: But the good thing is that since it's your show, Howard, and since we're all just fairly comfortable, we've done your show, what, four or five times and yeah. I agree with what Miley's saying. Being up in, uh, up on the 50th floor there in New York and, and having uh, you and Robin right there with us yeah. is, is such a great and inspiring uh, way to play. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's, the good thing is that if, I miss we, you too, Robin. if we fuck it up, then uh, we'll just do it again.
1: Yeah, right. there you go. Safe there together. you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't want to put bad. any pressure on you guys at all. I mean, come on. But uh, anyway, this and is thanks ins- for letting us cut into your meditation time, Howard. Yeah. Yeah. Meditation <laughs> time. T- you don't know. You know, you We're guys are wise asses. It.
5: You're all You're all still relatively young. No, 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 young. no. no. Honestly, I'm, hey, hey, I know Howard, you need, you know, having a, a structure is important, and I get it, yes. but th- yes. I, I am actually saying thank you, uh, and I hope you get your time in that you need.
13: And Howard, you thank know, you. I, thank you. I understand about the whole meditation thing, because I've been meditating for over 20 years, and it is what? important, man. So yep. thank you for sacrificing that time. Now, what has she happened
1: to me during the song? No, no, What has happened to me? I've become such a creature of habit that whenever we do something. I, listen, I wanted to come through for you guys. I didn't want to be Thank sort you. of uh, low energy. So, you know, whatever. Forget about me. Let's do this. Let's celebrate the Black Let's, Album. Let's celebrate hi. this band. Let's celebrate Miley with the band and try it. And Miley, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. No, I'm saying. Why
0: would you
8: say that?
1: There's no pressure. You're here with friends, and, and it's going I don't to want, be great. I don't want you to feel any pressure whatsoever in this performance. This is uh, we are we are all fans of you guys, uh, Miley. Thank you for doing this and uh, Metallica together, and we celebrate the Black album. And this is one of the songs that Miley really enjoys. This is uh, nothing else matters. And they're going to do their version of it We're together. We're
8: celebrating their album, and they're giving us a treat. That's, so That's right.
1: <laughs> I'm excited about this. Miley Cyrus with Metallica. Um Nothing else matters. Miley's uh, changing into a Gucci outfit.
5: (laughs) What song are we doing?
8: What song are you doing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh oh. (laughs) You guys know how to do this. Come on.
4: Here they go.
10: Saturday night.
4: So close, no matter how far.
1: listening to uh just whatever those guys are doing over there yeah i like i like hearing the warm-up
8: well they're having a discussion too
1: something's going on what's going on james oh, we're back oh here they go okay uh, i feel like uh, i'm spying on them or something
11: how to do it how to get it done
10: All right, let's do it. What? up, <laughs> what? It up Can you turn that click down? You're up, up. Kirk
4: i
1: What can I
10: say? Take that with you,
1: okay. man. Well, let's do an analysis here. How'd that feel, Miley? I mean, what's it like to front that
11: band? I would always do it again. um oh. what does it feel like to front the band? Yeah, it feels pretty fucking good. Today is a I- good day. <laughs> I'm making music tonight in the studio, working on my next record, and. I'm pretty excited about the flex that I'll have when someone right. tells me what to do. And I say, fuck you. I played with Metallica this morning. I'm doing whatever they, whatever I want. <laughs> I guarantee I, you didn't do that.
1: You uh, know? Boy, boys, we can safely say Miley crushed it, right? And, and seeing oh, James, no with, doubt.
11: Fuck yeah. I you, wish you, you, I would have done something else in the second verse, but it's fine.
1: What did you want to do? I, I mean, Next, what time. Would you, what Next time. Next time. What would you, what would you have done in the second verse?
11: On the second verse on the record, I do the octave above, which I wish I would have done, and usually I kind of was, but I was just laying down in the low stuff, so, you know, I would, I would do it again, but, it's all good. Right. I say that every time I leave your show. Doll parts, I went through a million fucking times after I left, and what I'll do differently the next time. We've never done it again. Isn't that
1: horrible? (laughs) Of all performers, you guys know this Metallica. Yeah, you guys know this in Metallica. You, whenever you do a performance, you always you, you, you do the uh, the, the post game wrap up, and you're like, "Oh
10: shit! I should have done this. I should have done that." You can drive yourself crazy, right? Yeah. We we kind of nowadays, we used to, like 20, 30 years ago, we get back in the dressing room after the show. And we would say, you fucked that up. You <laughs> fucked that up. <out>. No, you <laughs> fucked that up. no you That was too fast. That was too slow. You know what we do now? We get back in the dressing room. We kind of go, wasn't it really funny when we fucked yeah. that part up? Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it hilarious when yeah. that went completely sideways? Yeah. And so now we celebrate. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Hey, when did you c- guys hear me screw that part <laughs> up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did.
10: Yeah. Okay. Did you hear really me so- play the wrong solo, oh, the yeah. wrong key? It's like, now now we just celebrate being alive and fucking being able to do this at any level, you know. I think another well, I- thing
11: that's that's sorry that's just changed live music a lot, um, which I'm so happy to be back in real life doing concerts, seeing the fans, and seeing the reactions because the reactions in person when you see the audience light up even when you fuck up because they're so excited to be there and experience that because they've listened to this record a million times so when they hear you fuck up they know that it's live they know they're experiencing something that's one of a kind versus you know online i think you would have definitely been more pissed at each other with fucking up if you had the online scenario of everyone feels like, you know, kind of validated. The comment section is a very dangerous place that Absolutely, I don't visit yeah. anymore. Oh, um, especially when Mark. I'm fronting something like Metallica where, you know, it just our fans... You know, and their perspective of me. So I, that's why I feel so lucky when they said, you know, kind of validating this, this version that I do. Because when I first covered it, a lot of people said at Glastonbury that it was okay. But you know, there's always the diehard fans that are like, come on, don't fucking, don't trash Metallica. Don't bring Metallica into this. So now the comment section is somewhere that I don't, I don't frequent very often, but it changes everything. Live music is about making mistakes.
1: You are so right. Can you guys imagine coming up and having the, the, Fucking social media with every asshole telling you when you when you're not good enough and all it can be crushing. Uh, I'm with Miley on that. I don't read any of that shit because uh, yeah. I don't want to hear about it. Um, uh, yeah. You know, there's plenty of death by
5: internet if you want to look for it. Mm-hmm. And I got a, I got a tough enough time just being me. I don't need someone else, you know, helping putting me down. You know, <laughs> you do I, I need someone helping lift me up. You mm-hmm. know, uh, you did. You did spectacular. Thank you. It was exactly how it was supposed to be.
10: Cool.
5: (laughs) And we'll do it a different way the next time.
8: Exactly. And that's what I love about what you said about
11: it's live, and so you get this performance. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, (laughs) that's
4: another
11: I, You know, now I think people got really used to also uh, streaming concerts at home, and part of the experience of the concert... You know, is I say for my fans, when I go on tour, it gives them initiative to work hard because they go to work so they can buy this golden ticket to come see a concert. It gives them, it gives us reasons to live. When I was a kid, I washed windows for a summer so I could go see O Town, and that was it. So you know, this was this this gives initiative to my fans. It gives them a dream. And with streaming concerts, I haven't been doing it. I've been one of the only artists on a lot of these festivals that have declined streaming, not because I want to hold the concert for myself, I want to share, but I want people to have to come see me live to see me live. Because mm. when you make a mistake, being in the room, feeling the mistake, hearing me go, oh, fuck, turn on my ears, oh, fuck, you know, I- I'm late on my timing, that is such a special, you've got to, you know, you had to be there kind of moment. You want people to be envious of your experience at a concert, not say, well, I saw it online too. So I'm very private about my concerts, so my fans feel like they're getting an experience.
1: Well, Miley, so you crazy!
5: I'm just making up that you coming from the, uh, you know, the TV world mm. and how everything had to be just perfect, and then so you being able to go up
1: live and screw things up—it's yeah. like ah,
11: no, it's ah I'm so free. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's free. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I wonder if you guys will hang out some more. What do you think, Miley? Well, this is this a? Oh yeah. You you will be hanging with Metallica. And uh, I like the juxtaposition of the two of you guys up there singing together and the whole band behind you. I like the whole thing. It was just fantastic. I thank you thank for you. doing this. It thank was so really much. great.
13: It was good to see you.
1: It was good seeing you. And I want to thank James for letting Kirk play on the song this time.
13: Uh, how nice is that? Uh, I, I uh, want to thank uh, thank you, Howard, for creating the situation so that I can actually play on, on the song.
8: I was going to say, yep. did they have his guitar
13: on? Did James let them? <laughs> yeah, it was on. <laughs> the prop. By the I'm way, just Miley, I unplugged I'm the just app. here mainly for show.
1: Miley, you'd be happy to know I checked just the comments the on looks. social media. All my listeners oh, love God. you. They hate me, however. Uh, according to this <laughs> so, so you're, you're, you're you. fine this is a great celebration of a great album the uh, black album of course uh, Metallica 30 years I want to talk some more about this and uh, Miley I want to thank you I, I, are we losing you Miley are you going away or Are you?
11: I'm out of here but I love you and thank you for having me thank you so much
1: thanks Miley
11: with some music influenced by these guys
1: yeah oh man uh, you, you're doing great and, and that song was beautiful thank you so much for doing that thank you Alright, I'll it was, see you. It soon. was, it was great. Thank there you goes Miley Cyrus Miley. with Metallica. James, seeing you standing there while she sings the song is great. It was great stuff. It really, was nice. She did it
5: better than I could have this morning. You know, it's it is nice to actually view someone else singing the song, and yeah. it's like, oh, I, I. I I, I'm screwing up the guitar parts now, but you know, I, w- I was just captivated. It was nice. It was nice to have someone else sing it.
1: Were you nervous for her?
5: Um, no,
1: no. no. She's got
5: something. She's just yeah. She's got something. You know. You believe that not voice like of a, hers? A sexual thing or anything? It's a. Right. It's like an aura. It's a confidence. It's a. But it's a real realness to her. That I, I super enjoy.
10: It's yeah. also super fun for us. Um, is this on? It's super yeah. fun for us to, uh, because it's different. It's a different interpretation vocally than, than what James does. So there's yeah. a different dynamic that happens musically and there's, uh, peaks and valleys and all that. And, and it's just super fun. The, we ran it a couple times yesterday and, uh, it's just super fun again. Like we talked about earlier, we haven't exactly been out of the house for the last year and a half and we haven't been (laughs) a rock and roll band and we haven't really done anything. So just to kind of come back to L.A. again for the first time and for me almost two years and just rehearsal and all these great people that are in front of us here and sort of, you know, like, you know, uh, Blues Brothers style, getting the band back together again. uh, It's just great. And then, having miley 's energy come in and light up the room and then sing it like she did a couple of times yesterday and just fucking nailing it like she just did now i mean it's it 's so much
1: what is fun. with Lars what is with her voice i mean it's it 's an unusually deep voice for a woman right i mean to, to start out that low and to hit that 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 kind of tone
10: yeah I mean she definitely has uh, so much range, and like yeah. you're saying she can start that low in the early verses and then go up to uh, those crazy registers at the end but it's so such a dynamic deliverance uh, for me um, back there on the drums uh just kind of being able to play around those high notes and putting different accents in around it and stuff it's super fun let me and ask also, you like, guys are- so we talked about yesterday it's a it's a different it's, she delivers it differently than james does and so it's it's fun for us and 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 then the great thing about this record with all 53 of these songs is that everybody's got a different take on any of these songs and none of them are 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 the same obviously but also none of them are are anywhere near what we did with the record 30 years ago so that's so fucking cool
1: let me ask you a couple of questions you guys about um about the whole black album first of all one of the things i read was that you guys said Three of you were going through divorces at the same time while the album was being recorded, and that had an effect on the music. I think now maybe I'm reading into this, but was it because you were free of your uh, relationship problems that it somehow freed you musically or makes you happier or were you all
13: sad? What the hell was going on with that? Well, for me, just being in the studio and working on the music was a great opportunity for me to be away from my screwed up situation at home. So it was right. like a, a refuge, you know, working on this album, working on all the songs and whatnot. Because I just didn't want to be at home, so I used it as a, a as a, a kind of a, a safe place. It's therapy,
1: absolutely. You know what's amazing? The stat on this album the the um, the original two thousand nine uh, video of Nothing Else Matters has over one billion views on YouTube. Over one billion people have watched that. That blows my mind. I mean, to put out something, and 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 when you make a song like Nothing Else Matters, you sit there going, oh, "Who the hell knows if anyone's even going to respond to this thing?" And 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 you. You know what I mean? You're just like, who knows? I don't know. It sounds good to me, but I don't know if anyone will like it. But then, and here we are years later celebrating it and one billion views. It's um, pretty crazy.
10: Know, it, I, like, like I said before, just so many of these interviews we've been doing for this in the last week or two, how does it feel to have a legacy album? How does it feel to have the biggest selling record of the last 20 years and, and all this other stuff? And I guess for me, like 30 years ago, it's like, oh my God, this is all so crazy cool. Now it's all more kind of just uh, surreal, I mean, think it's, it's the right word. It is surreal. It, it, it just, I guess, All we, celebra- we celebrate, like we circled earlier, we celebrate still being a band. We celebrate that we can be in the same room together. We celebrate <laughs> that we can still make music. We celebrate the next record and the ne- next record after that. And we, we're such a, a forward-looking band always. Uh, yeah, everything's mean, about this moment in the future and there's this weird paradox of sitting talking about you know what did you do when you 30 years ago when you walked into the studio to make this record it's like i'm more interested in walking into the studio next week to work on the next record you know so there's this weird juxtaposition about all that stuff about the past but it's fucking crazy to have a record that's this uh, appreciated by so many people
1: you know? Yeah, it really is, and and you're right. You don't want to get sucked into just thinking about the past, and you want to think ahead. But what was the original title for the album was Married to Metal? um uh,
13: Instead of the Black Album, <laughs> that, that uh, was because three of us were getting divorced, and it was that was just a joke.
1: Uh, oh, it was a joke because that would have been a. I think that would have you know done in this great album if you called it Married <laughs> to Metal, but might have been a disaster. You know. Um, uh, geez. Uh, th- th- I just wanted to read these stats. Uh, since we're celebrating you guys, Polestar Dub Metallica the biggest all time touring band with 1.4 billion in ticket sales over their career. Only other band that sold more tickets was you, too. That's it. Uh, you guys beat out everyone. The Black Album has sold over 30 million copies. Uh, jeez. Uh, Black Album. Uh, I mean, th- there's all these stats on the thing. It's, it's really crazy. You know, the guy who I, I, I got to ask you guys about this, and then maybe you can do another song from the album. But this guy who and I don't understand music, but you guys hired this guy to produce the Black Album all those years ago. This Bob, guy, what's his name? Yeah. Bob Rock. Bob Rock. That's yeah. his real name. Yeah, I, I couldn't the believe way. it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> First of all, yeah, it's weird. Like, I was like, well, how did you find this guy, Bob Rock? Because you guys are so tight. I, letting anyone in. And, and when a guy is named Bob Rock, you go, get this fucking guy out of here.
10: Uh, (laughs) You you know what I mean? We had made three records with a, a wonderful, um, with a wonderful engineer from Denmark named Fleming Rasmussen who, who certainly, was great at getting the sounds we wanted, executing our ideas, but there was not, he wasn't really sort of producing us. He, he, he sort of ran the board and did the technical stuff and, and, and was great. But after four records, uh, it was time for us to do something different. And, um, and like I said earlier, there was this kind of reset. And so we figured with some slower songs and, and some simpler songs, maybe we could also beef up the sound a little bit. He had just made a great cult record. Uh, was it Sonic Temple? Uh, He had made the Motley Crue record, Dr. Feelgood, which had great Sonics, and we wanted... Just the band to sound bigger, bigger drums, bigger bass, and everything just sound bigger and, and just hit harder. And so what do you do, came, Lars? He, do you meet with the guy? Do
1: you, do you say, Hey, we have yeah, some so, uh, of this guy's work? Somebody yeah. set
10: up a meeting with him. Uh, James and I flew up to Vancouver. He was part of the whole, remember in the late eighties, all those great records coming out of Vancouver, like Bon Jovi and Aerosmith, and everybody would go up to Vancouver and make records with Bruce Fairburn and his Little guy, Mountain? Little Mountain yeah. Studios. Yeah. And so James and I flew up to Vancouver we had a couple of the rough demos in our pocket uh we met with him hung uh, played him a couple two three songs uh the song that we're going to do for you in a little bit uh remember he called it this is the cashmere of the 90s or whatever he goes oh my god i can't believe metallica is doing something like this and his his whole thing was he felt that that we'd never captured what we were doing live on a record that our records were like i said they were very sterile they were very much about just execution and getting it perfect but there was no soul there was no vibe there was no attitude there was no swagger there was none of those adjectives and he said i can do that for you Uh, a couple three months later uh we were in pre-production down in san francisco and we were sitting in a room kind of like the room we're in and the four of us and bob right there on a stool and halfway through the first song he goes uh how about changing the chords in that chorus and i remember we all looked at each other going excuse me like who the fuck are you did Somebody how, say something. Uh, how did you get in here uh do you, how do you <laughs> yeah. dare suggest that we change anything in any of our songs we had that was so foreign did to you us.
1: punch him james no, <laughs> no. good for you no. uh, wasn't worth it uh, and yeah. so
10: there, there was a lot of uh The first few months as we were getting to sort of know each other and as we were getting used to – because in some way, I I think you could argue we were so – we lived so much in our own world. We were so autonomous and and Bob, even though we we wanted him to come help us, I think he also represented – Everything that we had resented over the years, the, the music business, the, the, the success, the, 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 the man, whatever, all that, he, he sort of represented whatever it was that were fueling us to be contrary for all those years. So it definitely took a couple, three, four months to get comfortable with that. And then, We'd sit there and do some takes. Uh, that was a great take. Again, the, the, the benchmark was not fucking up. It's like, oh, we just did a take without fucking up, but that didn't mean that it had soul or it had vibe or it had attitude or, it, or, it, you know, so do it again. It was like, we just did it. And then, you know, that was kind of with the drums, with the guitar lead guitar with James's vocals I know it was a whole new thing for you obviously to get James to sing in a different way so it was just a whole we spent a year on that record here in LA and it was a uh, it was a crazy eye-opening experience a lot of uh, a lot of uh, tumultuous times but and when we walked out of that studio a year later I didn't think we'd ever see this guy again but we ended up becoming best friends in the next subsequent year or two and we ended up working with him for another 15 years this guy bob rock i would love to read a book by him
1: because i think he's an incredibly brave guy to deal with you guys because you're such a tight-knit band and when i whenever i see videos of him working with you this guy's pretty ballsy like he'll stand up to james and james is pretty intimidating to me and uh he'll stand up to james and say you know no man you know we, we're gonna put we're gonna put some we're gonna put some cello on here we're gonna add an orchestra on this album and and, J- and he called James Dr. No because James would say no. For this guy to for this guy to stand his ground and say, fuck you guys. You guys are better than this. I can bring something out on you. Uh, he didn't acquiesce. He didn't bend to you guys. He actually stood his ground. And, I, you know, in retrospect, I think uh, he deserves a lot of the credit for doing that. Absolutely. First man in, last man out. He
5: was there. uh Running the show, even, even though we didn't want it, we didn't, like Lars was saying earlier, we knew we needed to change, but we didn't want to. So Mm -hmm. he was the guy that was helping us bridge, uh, into that, uh, well, Dr. No to Dr. Maybe, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's like, okay, let's try it.
1: But James, could you tell right away that this guy might be right? Because when you start to hear these tracks evolve, all of a sudden, they sound more musical. They sound fuller. Oh, they sound richer. Um, so true, it, Howard. So yeah, true. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I remember being excited to bring my buddies in.
5: You got to hear this. You know, wherever I'm a Rome intro and blah, blah, blah. And they're standing there going, holy shit, this is amazing. And yeah. Yeah, I knew it was working. Yep.
10: Yeah, it was so much yeah. fun. Because um, at that time, the guys in Guns N' Roses were recording their Use Your Illusion albums. Uh, the Boys in Skid Row we're here there were so many friends of ours and and you know this was back before you had to worry about leaks or the internet stuff or piracy or any of that so it just you know let 's go you know meet for a drink or whatever, then check out what we 're working on today, and you could play it without to somebody in the car or whatever without worrying about it showing up on some website the next day you know so there was a freedom and there was a, a great camaraderie between like all the bands and just hearing music and getting like James is saying fueled by other people responding to what you were doing as a work in progress.
1: You mean you don't get afraid that like if you if you play for uh you know Skid Row or Guns N Roses something unbelievable that you're doing that they might go in the studio and sort of uh, like maybe not consciously but unconsciously sort of copy what you're doing. You don't you don't worry about that?
10: No, I've, everybody was everybody was off doing their own thing everybody had their own sounds everybody was working with their own producers and had their own songs um we were just buddies that would meet up and get in trouble when we were done in the studio you know that was really it i have
14: a story i remember back around that time in los angeles When Metallica was recording their album and Guns N' Roses, and I was playing in Suicidal Tendencies at the time, there was this magic in the area because Lars is right. Everybody was was writing and recording and super excited. But then at the same time, there were a lot of gigs. So down at you know at at a club with no name or Madame Wong's West, you know you know danzig would be you know danzig would be playing down the street or you know even like you know a band like primus or something it was always going on social d so the energy was happening there was a lot of metallica sightings and that was uh, um exciting in itself you know i remember seeing james i remember seeing james at Madame wong's west in santa monica and i think i was drunk and i asked him if you know he if i could jam uh uh, like creeping death with him or something. And he goes, if I'm going to jam with anybody, I'm going to jam with Glenn. <laughs> you know, gonna jam, I'm going to jam with Glenn dancing. <laughs> right. so those were, Sorry, Rob. Uh, uh, I, I would have said the same thing. But I'm just saying that the energy
10: in town yeah, it was, was great. There really was like, fun back it was, then. It was back in the day where there was like a different club, you know, like on Sundays you'd go to the Cat Club, Ricky Rackman was hosting, and then on Tuesday...
14: Those Bordello, remember yeah, you'd Bordello you'd go Thursdays? Your, yeah,
10: so you'd go to different, and you'd see all the same people, and, and it was just like your friends. I remember, you know, like uh, when you were just saying that, so I remember when Alice and Chains came into town the first time, it's like. The first band out of Seattle, there's this new thing. This was even before Nirvana and Pearl Jam. You sort of heard about Soundgarden and, and Chris Cornell and, and all that greatness. But at the the next band is coming down from Seattle. They're in town. Will you show them a good time? And then we'd meet, like, the Allison Chains boys. And I remember, like, playing pool with them the first couple of days at a few CD bars. But it was very much uh, a community, and it was just so much fun. I mean, we were down here for a whole year, and it was just that... Uh, pretty much every night but it i think everybody kind of inspired each other and and you know everybody was do i i i mean to answer your question from before i mean i don't think anybody felt that, you know, all of a sudden Skid Row was going to do something from the Black Album, whatever. Everybody was already <laughs> well enough established and had their own sound. But there was a real sense of uh, camaraderie and and vibe. And we were all just hanging out and end up in the same places every night at 11 or, at 11 or midnight. It's like, okay. Why is there and no I'm scene
1: like Meyer.
14: that? <laughs>
10: <laughs> Why is there no he scene? Well, so, it's a great Tell that one about. So, so we're yeah, in
14: London yeah. and uh, we're hanging out at at a, at a hotel with uh, Sebastian Bach and Lars and I are in, in this room. There's a bunch of people over. Us. and Sebastian was so excited about what we were going to do with the next record. This would have been Death Magnetic period. He's like, come on, Lars, man! I can't wait to hear this music. He grabs Lars's feet. He goes, I want to hear some shit like fight fire with fire. Come on, Lars! And he's grabbing, <laughs> he's grabbing Lars's feet. He's like pulling on his pants, like double. You know, <laughs> it, he was basically trying to, you know, uh, mimic double kick. You know, drumming ah. with the feet. That guy, such, he's yeah. a character. That guy is such a me- character. He came on my show
1: one time. He walks in, he pulls down his pants and he tied a knot in his penis. <laughs> Did you ever see him do that? He tied Not his penis his... in. Yeah, he walked in and tied his <laughs> penis in a knot. And I was like, wow, I never saw Schlong so big. It was like fucking crazy. Like, what Maybe a show. A bottle, right? Yeah.
10: <laughs> it was think, crazy. To answer your question from before, I think probably now because... Um, Everybody's just texting each other and, and, you know, you got Snapchat things, knowing where all your friends are, or whatever. I mean, I see it in, in my son's phone. It's like his 29 friends, they have the exact locations of where everybody is. Back then, it was more about being under the radar. But I think because there was a different night every place, you knew on Sunday night that all your buddies were going to be at the cat club. You knew on Monday, everybody would, have, you didn't have to sit in, you know, call everybody or look at social media or whatever. That was just the hang for that particular night. um So it, it worked out well. But obviously, you know, it was just a different time. Man, I social media was is
1: ruining everything. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Social media has ruined the whole fucking everything, I tell you, the way you were describing it. But let me just harp on this one more time because we're, by the way, in case you're just tuning in, we're doing a special edition of the show. We're celebrating with Metallica. Amazing accomplishment, 30 years anniversary of uh black album the bands met together what 40 how many years 40? 40
10: well, the 40s 40 anniversary just fall crazy
1: and and uh and there's so much to talk about but it just, just, just let me just let me clear up a couple of things in my mind here the guy who produced the album i read somewhere uh whatever he owned of the in other words when you guys make an album everybody owns a little chunk of the publishing or whatever he sold his piece of the black album and to me that's surprising, only in that if I owned a piece of the Black album, which I mean, ka-ching, uh, in terms of publishing, um, uh, I would never do it because I would get a check every year that would just, you know, would basically pay my entire nut. So you, so to me, w- th- th- isn't that surprising to you? Did you talk to Bob about that? Why he sold his piece of the
13: uh, album? Well, you know, I, you know, I talked a little, a, a, a little. Uh, to bob about it and you know his whole thing is that uh, you know he's getting older and there's still things he wants to do and so that was his rationale there's still music he wants to make and you know stuff he wants to to accomplish in his life and that helped him do it were you guys yeah more power to him but
1: you guys, you guys are in the business of buying up uh, classic rock tunes and stuff, right? You guys have your own publishing business, and, um, and, and which is fascinating to me. I'd love to hear a little about that. You guys actually buy up songs, right? And 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 and, and have um, and have made a business of that. Am I correct? It's something that we're the, in the early stages of. Yes, yeah. It, what songs do you own? I mean, I wonder, what, does it matter? Like, would you buy "Yummy Yummy Yummy"? I got love in my tummy. Uh, you would. <laughs> you, wanna yeah. Kirk, Kirk, Kirk you want to own it?
10: Kurt Kirk. Kurt wants to own that one. that one.
1: Kirk wants to own uh, that. But is, is it only know, a I mean,
10: certain type of? No, no, no. I mean, there's a there's a lot of great there's a lot of great artists. Obviously, there's a lot of great catalogs, and there's a lot of um, you know, there's a lot of songs that that have. You know, just, I don't know, take somebody, uh, pick somebody like the zombies, you know, you know, right. the zombies, we know the zombies, we all know zombies, but they're just like continuously played on the radio and continuously streaming. And, and we felt a couple of years ago that we have such an awesome team and such a great group of uh, of managers and people around us, and we have our own record company, and and we you know worked so hard to kind of do our own infrastructure and and just be autonomous and and kind of do our own thing. So we felt maybe we could contribute something to to other artists and help. Uh, we've been schooled uh, by our managers to be very uh, protective of our own stuff and to really care about what happens to it and and at the same time then we feel that we can look all our fans in the eye and go every decision that we're making is made for the right reasons in terms of transparency and and for purity and so on so we felt that we had a team that could help maybe um uh, to sort of navigate these kind of paths for some from other artists and maybe even some older artists you know we when when we meet a lot of older artists uh and we're obviously among them but we meet guys even a, a generation or two older than us for instance when we made that record with Lou Reed uh 10 years ago every day we would hear stories from Lou about how much he got fucked over by the business you know in the 60s mm. and the 70s all the artists were literally at the bottom of the food chain after the the managers the, the the promoters the t-shirt people the agents I mean the last people on the totem pole were the artists that throw him like a you know, car once in a while, and then you know they'd, they'd then they'd go away. But they all just got fucked. And our friends in Black Sabbath have told us different, uh, similar stories. And you just hear so much. It wasn't really until the eighties when the artists started kind of taking the power back and being a little more uh, in control of of what they were doing. And and we figured if we can help make a difference at some level with other artists that have been screwed over, then uh, that's a good thing and a, and a way to contribute.
1: James, do you think Bob Rock should have sold the rights to his portion of the Black Album to you, uh, to the band? Um, Would would that be something you would have been interested in?
5: That's a good question. I I had no clue that Mm. he was doing that. And, you know, he owns it. He could do what he wants with it. And um, I'm sure he had lots of advice from people. But um, I don't know. I don't know if we would have bought it. We want to buy yummy yummy, you know. Come on.
1: No, well, listen. I, I could see Metallica presents Mambo number 5. It would be uh yeah. it would be it would be unreal. It really would. Like hap- so, Happy Birthdays probably.
5: Yeah. Pretty popular <laughs> That's the so one. Long. Let's do that
1: one. Metallica's remastered Black Album box set is available in record stores. You can stream the Metallica Blacklist tomorrow, which is going to be amazing. It's all these different artists who uh take Metallica songs like Weezer did enter Sandman. Uh, it's cra- It's a great. It's a great concept. You like those guys? Hey, you know who you guys uh, got to do? Um, um, a uh, sad but true was. Um, I love these guys. The uh, Royal Blood, the two guys who. It's yeah. a two. It's a two man band. A bass player and a drummer. Right.
10: The the ba- yeah. The absolute coolest. When their first record came out five six years ago, my whole family. <laughs> fell in love with that, that record and my oldest son. There was about five people in America who knew about Royal Blood, and my oldest son basically started a Royal Blood cover band. They played like three quarters <laughs> of that album, like yeah. in their bedroom when when he was like 15, 16. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting. Have you heard? Have you heard? Um, have you heard? Because uh, sad but true is is, is the song we're going to play. Um, but have you heard the Sam Fender version and the Jason I- Isbell version of these of songs? just that's a great example to me the one i've been telling people about uh sort of the 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 the, the scale of the diversity if yeah you, if, do you have the same fender one there i um,
1: don't have that here i i, uh, I was even uh, thinking about the um the chris stapleton uh a version of yeah, uh I nothing else on mattered. the
10: radio last night fucking great yeah
1: yes this is really an exciting kind of thing that's going on here that's chris stapleton I like that. You know what this reminded me of when you guys cover Bob Seger's Turn the Page?
10: That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
10: But it's interesting to hear how different that is from what Miley just sang, right?
1: Yeah. It's great. So these two, these, all these projects are coming out of Metallica and of course, the Black album. What can we do to wind up, guys? What song are you going to do to uh, just celebrate the album, the release of the album? Yeah, Thirty we years about ago,
10: uh, Black, uh, black we talked about uh, um, "Sad but True." <laughs> Sad but
1: true. Such a great song. Sad but true. Um, Anything you want to say about this song before you perform it? I know you've done it a bunch of times, and it's just a great way to remember the album, remember the song, remember the well, remember all of the work. But uh, this is such a good song. Um, yeah. Anything come like to mind? Lars was saying, this was one of the first
5: riffs that Bob Rock heard, and he was like, "This is amazing." It's like, really? Okay. Oh, well, <laughs> we didn't it know. Was, yeah. Thanks for telling me. Okay. You know, but you know. It speaks for itself. And tuning it down, just uh, this is a fun song to play. It's this is the do you want heavy song. this is,
1: what does that mean? One of our heavy songs. What does that mean when you say <laughs> tuning it down? It was a big deal for you guys. You had never
13: tuned down before. We're not guitar players. What does that mean? You're taking the the, the low string and tuning it down in pitch so it gets lower and heavier. And and hmm. in in this song we tune down. All the strings, all six of the strings, so it's lower and heavier in pitch. Yeah, a wow.
5: lot of the grunge bands were just doing a drop D, where they'd take the top E and yeah, drop just it the down. String. And, uh, Open
1: D. Open D chord, in other words. They, well, that's what they would of, do. Yeah, it was an okay.
5: kind of easy way to play a, a, a riff. Um, we just took everything down. It's like, well, if one string's good, let's take them all down. <laughs> and that's what we did.
1: <laughs> Whose idea was that, to take all the strings down? Well... Uh, probably the guy tuning our guitars. <laughs> oh, really?
10: <laughs> probably a mistake.
1: It was I mean, Jack, probably right? a great mistake, yeah. I mean, I'm not a guitar player, but it seems like a pretty wild thing to do. You've been playing the guitar a certain way, and then everyone says, well, just let's drop all the strings down and play it. Uh, it, it, Dude, it well, do you remember,
10: like, James, yeah. when we were writing it, yes. was it? Was it written in that tuning, or was it written in E, and then we tuned it down great later? Great question. Yeah.
1: A
5: lot of that has to do with singing sometimes, like... I can't sing it that high, so let's drop it down a little bit yeah. and uh and sometimes when you tune it too low, it's like you have to actually sing higher. Um, it it kind of gets mathy, but um, it's all about feel, yeah. and I'm sure we tried it straight, regular tuning, and then dropped down and we said, uh, you know, we said the riff sounds better that way. That's usually how it ends up it's it's a uh, you know it's a taste test. Pepsi Challenge, whatever you want to call it. This sounds better than that. At the end of the day, you know, what sounds better? Yeah, it's a lot, not a lot of about stuff my together. idea or your idea at a all. A lot of so. this stuff
10: comes together in the studio. Uh, hey, I've yeah, that. Somebody's got an idea. Just try it this way.
1: And also, with these songs that you guys put together all those years ago, it was weird for you guys as a band to record them all in the same room together. This was the first time you had done that? That was the first
10: time, yeah. It was always... I find that, uh, <laughs> Yeah, was, I find that kind of hard to believe. Yeah. yeah, but that's what we were talking about earlier, um, and 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 I'm not exaggerating that point for fact. The objective, so we wrote we wrote songs, we wrote an album, and the objective in the recording studio was to execute. The, it was just to execute that in in a in a perfect way. There was no, we didn't care about mood or feel or what the vibe was or i mean there was none of that you know we would just would start with a drum track and it was just james and i and james was patient enough and i'd play you know and then you know halfway through the second chorus or whatever it's like there would be a mistake then we'd go back and punch in at the beginning of the second chorus and then we'd get to the end of the guitar solo and then we'd punch in there it was like um it was like um it was like sounds like uh, factory work. It was like a practice. Yeah, yeah, but 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 yeah. As, yeah. as silly as that sounds, it it was really just a practical process. But there was nothing until we sat with Bob, who said, you know, faster, slower, make it, you know, swing, make it swagger, give it some soul. That didn't have the right attitude. We had never been exposed to any of that, and it just so opened our eyes to a whole different way of doing it.
1: Wow. Well. Let's celebrate the album with uh, this performance. Here's the boys in Metallica uh, playing live for you on a special show. Uh, Sad But True. Great song. Well, let me just check the level for
7: Shall we? Since we're all here, and that's a four count, nigga. What?
1: Still have it boys. Wow. It's still there man. Fun. The magic is yeah. there. Wow is that something. What a great song. What a great album we're celebrating with Metallica. 30 years since the Black album was put out. I you know I I spent a lot of time listening to this album. I'm thinking about just the first side alone. It go here, think about this. Enter Sandman. Right? Then you go into Sad but True. Then Holier Than Thou, The Unforgiven, An Amazing Accomplishment, Wherever I May Roam. And then that first side finishes off with Don't Tread On Me. It's a, it is a musical. It's really musical genius. It is something. What an accomplishment. It is, and that live performance was fantastic. That it, the, uh, the, the that lead guitar is just something else, Kirk. When you fucking well on that thing, it must. It, it's just, it's fa- when do you know you're a professional musician, Kirk? And I, I mean, I don't mean any a funny. I don't need a funny answer. Like uh, I just realized uh, it yesterday. Uh, How do you know when you're playing on a level that is good enough for a professional uh, musician level, a master level? How do you know?
13: When people get up and walk out of the room. Because they're jealous. You're you're moving no, that means that means you're moving someone emotionally with your playing, whether it's good or bad. You know, that's for me, that was when I I felt like I was actually reaching a point where I was communicating with my instrument because I was driving my parents and my sister crazy (laughs) all the time. And I was loving it. I was loving it.
1: No, what I'm saying is you you practiced and practiced and practiced. You drove your parents crazy. You drove your sister crazy. You start to play in bands in high school, I imagine, and try to find anybody who will play with you. But there Mm -hmm. comes a time where you say to yourself, I'm good enough to make a career out of this, right? There's a moment Mm -hmm. maybe. Was there one moment where you said, I think I can do this and make a living at it?
13: Yes. And that was when I was able to put on a thin Lizzy album and play an entire song from beginning to end. Ah. And then, and then like literally the next day, I went to this drummer's house and we played the exact same song, him and I together. And it was the most amazing feeling, Howard. It was a total accomplishment. It felt like I, it, uh, the same feeling when you get, when you learn how to ride a bike. You know, I can do this. Now I can do this. I've seen other people do it. Now I can do it. What was the okay. Thin Lizzy song? Uh, it was a song called Johnny off uh, 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 Johnny the Fox. And, and it was you, an obscure Thin Lizzy song.
1: <laughs> and you were able to stand there and like without like looking at sheet music or or, 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 or fucking up. In other words, it fl- it, it flowed. It, you
13: could really nail yeah. the song. Well, I played it uh, uh, literally like 50 times that day, you know. Once I, I, I learned the song, it was just over and over again, repetition, because I loved it so much, you know. And I loved the process of just playing the beginning all the way through to the end and stopping and then starting over again, because I didn't have that with in, any sort of, like, songs. I could play parts of Jimi Hendrix songs, Allman Brothers, Led Zeppelin, but it was that one Thin Lizzy song I could play from start to finish and I've only been playing for about maybe a month or so but I could play it right also that was a big thing too I played it correctly and you know it's it's just, you just know inside i mean it's like it's like for instance you know When did you know that you would would become a DJ? When did you get that initial feeling? There's something, there's a spark inside. It's in your heart or it's in your mind or something. You just know, I can do this. And you feel like there's the possibilities or uh, like literally being laid out in front of you in that moment. You know, all the future possibilities.
1: So young, some young kid listen to this now it's 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 not only about desire it's about just it's it's about sheer will it's about like i got to yes. get this i i can yes. make myself into a professional yes. musician
13: and though most importantly or equally as importantly inspiration you know wanting to do it and and seeing yourself being creatively engaged and artistically engaged in what you're doing and seeing the potential of that uh, with, with yourself in the future. And yeah, it's a big thing. But you know, I really felt good the very first time I ever got paid. I got mm. paid like 15 bucks. Me, me and a bunch of guys played a house party and we got $60 and we split it all up and <laughs> bought beer. And that was the greatest thing.
1: <laughs> that is mind-blowing, right? The first time someone pays you
13: to yeah, perform. I can believe it. I mean, it was just like, really? I, that was so easy and on top of it, I got 15 bucks in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, wait, I went and bought some
10: beer You know, like all, all Young musicians probably at the Remember that doing. time we were at the uh, It was the end We've been out opening uh, for Ozzy For about, what, five, six months In America on the Master Puppets Tour It was the first time we were out playing arenas We were, I mean, it was not possible To have a better time We're out there with Ozzy uh, We're getting into all corners of America Playing our music to 10, 15, 20,000 people Every night I mean, literally just fucking kids in a candy store at the last show in where it was, it was Virginia. Something, you know, uh, our manager came out and we're sitting in the back line of our bus that we we're all sleeping on, traveling on. And he said, um, when you get back from this tour, you'll all have enough money to buy a house. Remember that? And we all sat and go, what? what? It was like, yeah. we're, we're, we're just out here doing this for the fun of it. And right. we're having a such a together? great time. And then we also get a house. You're yeah, like, yeah, like, like the crazy.
1: Beatles. You'll all sleep together
13: in yeah, the same yeah. house. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> a house. Uh, yeah, it was house.
10: Like so surreal. So it's like, yeah. fuck, you know, we also get paid for this? Yeah. Uh, I, I remember so that. Crazy.
13: Because Cliff Burton said something really funny afterwards. He said, yeah, I'm going to buy a house and buy a gun that shoots knives and shoot at the walls. <laughs> wow i never forget that
1: uh, a gun that shoots knives wow why would you want that it's
10: called what well, cliff burton it's called a crossbow
13: it's like yeah <laughs> exactly well a, you know had a chaotic mind
10: cliff in a nutshell Very creative yeah. yes
1: <laughs> well boys this is a great day um you know there's so many things that, you, know, you know i read a story about you guys when i was just thinking about doing this interview and um I read something crazy that you guys would smash up dressing rooms just because you you felt like that's what you were supposed to do. You didn't realize that it would cost you money, but you had probably <laughs> worshipped a bunch of bands and tell, uh, tell, uh,
10: read- t- tell Howard the Bill Graham story.
1: Oh
5: yeah, well yeah, I mean <laughs> throwing TVs out of uh, of of hotels that was. Just all the stuff we read in like Cream Magazine or the stuff back in the day of, you know, Led Zeppelin and, you know, uh, right. getting away with, with all kinds of chaos. Uh, we felt that that was, well, that is what you're supposed to do on tour. So it, it was, uh, I think probably more in the Jägermeister days. Uh, right. Um, me and a few buddies would get together and, you know, we would just be... That, that stuff made us crazy, like really crazy. Um, well, what do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean? Great story, great great story mean?
10: with uh, Bill Graham. Remember, Bill Graham was like the legendary promoter that yeah. took yeah. the Rolling Stones onto him. I mean, he was the first... Phil so A- East, West. A- Lee. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, he was the yeah. first, so he, he basically ran San Francisco, obviously in the best of ways, and the first big show that we played, uh, we got to open for, there, so the legendary shows back then, remember all those stadium gigs in the 70s that Aerosmith and Blue Oyster Cult and Leonard Skinner and everybody would show up. on So we got, they were called Day on the Green and they were an institution in San Francisco. They would have two or three of them every year. Kirk used to go to them, uh, Cliff used to go to them. So we got invited to play our first Day on the Green in 1985. It was the Scorpions and darken and a whole bunch yeah, of bands and we eBay. were we were uh you know playing at 10 o'clock in the morning when they were opening the gates and people were coming in but we were having a great time and we were uh, hanging out and 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 by the time the day was done we were all obviously completely ripped out of our minds and the dressing room got a got a beaten took a beaten and then you were summoned <laughs> a redecoration a, a redecoration and then james on monday morning was summoned to bill graham's office to uh, get the finger whack from from the legendary man himself and um it was yeah it was, he
5: was kind of uh, like the papa bear you know trying to help all these bands you know really 60s 70s hippie stuff and you know, it was all about love and helping people out, and we're in there smashing his dressing room up. And for some <laughs> reason, you? this watermelon has to go through that little vent into the next <laughs> room. You know, it <laughs> just has to. Okay, James, why? So why why though? And but, I mean, but look, we purposes. had no clue that, you know, oh, there's a show the next day. These other bands have to use this trailer. It's like, uh oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, I got I got the call into Bill's office, uh, and it was. It's like i'm not going to this and management's like you you need to we need this guy he's 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 got a lot of pull and we need him in the bay area this is where you guys live you got to clean up this mess like oh, okay could so bill get in
1: and, james what, could bill get through to you or were you such an angry young man that like even it's like hey got to fuck this guy i'll go listen to him but uh, i'm you know who gives a shit what he has to say in other words could anyone could anyone have really gotten through to you at that point in your life?
5: Well, obviously management did by saying, yep. you know, hey, this is this is a mess. You got to clean up on your own. You're screwing the band up here. It's like, oh, okay, that that's important. That got to me. And um, but when I went in, he said, you know, who, who who do you think you are? You know, you could think you could do whatever you want. And he says, you know, I'll just tell my secretary to come in here and you know bark like a dog or whatever. You know, all this stuff. It's like,
1: yeah. That'd
5: be funny. Let's do that. You know, it's
1: like, no. Why did you think, why did you think you were entitled to do that? Why do you, seriously, why do you think, like, you, you you know, at that point in your life, you said, fuck this. I can do whatever I want.
5: Yeah. I wasn't thinking of anybody else. It was me and the Jaeger and my buddies. And this is what, we want to do, and this is how we celebrate life, <laughs> by smashing do you, someone else's stuff,
1: you know? Do you ever shudder at night? I'm being serious. Like, what if you had, I don't know what it's like to physically pull a TV out of the wall and throw it out a window, but do you ever, like, sit there and go, oh, my God, what if that TV had fallen on a human being and I killed them? My whole life. I might have ended up in prison, and I never would have been in Metallica. Do you ever think, seriously, think about that? Every
5: day. With pretty much every action I did back then. You know, whether it was you know, hopping behind the wheel when you're intoxicated or, you know, trying to tackle a fire hydrant in the you know, I don't know. Just all the stupid stuff that we did. Yeah. I'm super grateful that we are standing here alive (laughs) and being able to play and realize that okay, there's some things that are regrettable. I gotta let them go. I can I can clean all that stuff up, but at the end of the day, Bill Graham was certainly one of those guys that I respect because he took the time, he took mm-hmm. the time and effort to say, "Hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, you are cared about." And I've seen I've seen this, I've seen this happen. I've had this same talk with Keith Moon and Sid Vicious. I've had right. the same talk with those two guys, and I think uh, okay. Thanks. Bye. And I walk out, and then I'm thinking, all right, I got to go back in. I will walk back in, and I said, you know, I uh, thank you. You know, my dad has never had talks with me about this. I had really no guidance. And right. Thank you, and I will, I will take this to heart, and I will respect what you said, and do my best. The next time I remember we played in town, he had the whole backstage <laughs> covered in Visqueen, which is clear plastic. <laughs> right. I mean everything right, and duct tape. Everything, yeah. everything the Vizqueen whole all the walls, uh, our guitars. I mean the food, uh, TVs. Everything was covered. <laughs> and then I got it. It's like this guy is not only cool, but he's got a great sense of humor too. But I yeah. think also yeah. if,
10: if I can just throw in, I I think. You know, when I think back to those early days, I mean, so much of our fuel came from being contrary and from being, you know, we were all outsiders. We we didn't belong anywhere. The only thing we had was each other. And, and there was just a few of us like-minded. We we, we were all loners, disenfranchised, ostracized, whatever words you want to put to it. And And so there was this whole thing about fueling off the energy of the establishment, you know, in a contrary way, you know what I mean? And so the music business at that time was, you're supposed to write three-minute songs that go on FM radio and AOR, and and you're supposed to look like this, and you're supposed to, you know, all that stuff, and every every fiber of Metallica's DNA for the first few years was to just give the middle finger to what it was supposed to be, and so we we just acted contrary everything if people said yeah. go left we'd go right if people said behave then we didn't behave if people said you know whatever all of that fueled us and that was the that was the scene that that we came out of and then the crazy thing happened uh along the years is that as the music that we were making uh became available to more and more people up through the 80s all of a sudden it was like holy fuck. There's thousands and thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people out there like us. And that all of a sudden, by the time the Black Album showed up 10 years later, kind of became the mainstream. You know what I mean? So in my mind, in my mind, when I think back to that, you know, the, the great thing is that the Black Album was our fifth album. But when the Black Album finally came, it wasn't so much Metallica moving to the mainstream It was the mainstream moving to Metallica and moving out further. This was the same time, I mean, that same year, somebody sent me uh, like a screenshot or a meme or whatever these things are called like a couple weeks ago of the Black Album, uh, Nevermind, Nirvana's Nevermind, uh, the Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion Albums. Uh, the Pearl Jam album, the first Pearl Jam album, and Soundgarden's Bad Motor Finger, they all came out within one month of each other. Isn't wow. that crazy to think about That now? is. And, and so at that time, there was a whole, there was a whole seismic shift happening in – in the way that music was getting out to people because the 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 MTV hair metal and all that was kind of going away and all of a sudden all the 15-year-old kids were embracing something that was way more real and way more like who they were rather than than these prepackaged you know record company created products so it was a really interesting summer and again when i saw you know nirvana and all that coming out right at the same time and it was a fucking it was a, a crazy time it really was
1: yeah, because what you're mentioning is every one of those bands, and especially Metallica, stuck to their guns. And I said this at the beginning when we were just starting this today. I said, "Thank God you stuck to your guns and and you know really musically and even image wise believed in yourself enough not to bow to whatever the current thing was. Otherwise, this album that we're celebrating today never would have come about if you had kowtowed to the uh, the establishment who would tell you how to make an album or." What to sound like, and uh, okay. let me let let let's just say this: it's an amazing accomplishment. I'm glad I got to celebrate it with you guys, and um, I, I want to say that um, there's two projects going on for Metallica right now. One of the projects is the the celebration of the uh, 30th anniversary of the Black Album being remastered. There's a box set; it's uh, it's out on special vinyl. It's uh, it's it's great, and then there's this a whole other project um, called uh, the Blacklist. Which, um, is everyone, uh, covering the Black Album. And it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, I particularly enjoyed Weezer and Royal Blood. Like I said before, I like, uh, Corey Taylor and, um, Phoebe Bridgers did a beautiful version of Nothing Else Matters. I started to play the Chris Stapleton thing. There's so much to cover that we can't do it all in one show. But all of the profits from the Blacklist will go to Metallica, uh, their, their charity, uh, All Within My Hands Foundation. Uh, and uh and uh so all of that money is is being donated and it 's a great project and you and you guys, I think will love some of these cover versions because it points out what a great band this is musically that these songs can be uh converted into uh just all different types of music and all different types of genres so i I love that and I love you guys and I want to thank Miley Cyrus uh for doing that uh beautiful version yeah. earlier and really right. helping the band celebrate um this music. And the idea that different artists can do it. And Elton John, uh, doing piano on, uh, the Blacklist. Uh, Elton's got an album out too with, with, uh, the Miley song on it. So it's really great. It's a great collaboration. And, and really, who would have thought we'd be standing here with Metallica today? Uh, the band that had to get lectured by Metallica, the band that would punch each other in the face. And, uh, right, right. Like, 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 Lars, one time James hit you in the face because, uh, he didn't that's like right. the way you performed. I mean, yeah, Jesus. That's right. Talk, uh, talk about the good old days. By the way, an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But fact: I you mean, send just... me
5: that anus, you know.
1: Now I'm going to send you the uh, yeah. anus. That's the asshole, right? There. Lars, does he, <laughs> Lars, when he punches you in the face, when James punches you in the face, is, can he throw a punch, or is it, it really not that bad? Oh God. Um, was it, really I,
10: it was. Uh, I right, l- let's put it this way. This will answer your question we were playing uh, i think just down the street from here we were at the troubadour or i think it was the troubadour right it was the first show uh where we ever at least in our minds got an encore yeah we were we were <laughs> six nine months into our career we got an encore so we're standing off stage discussing what song to play and there let's just say there was a differences of opinion <laughs> so I, suge- I suggested a song that started with drums. So uh, James suggested something else. We went back up on stage, and I started the song that started with drums. And um, yeah. and so when I, we came off, uh, I got a the slight punch in the uh, in the stomach. Uh, I oh, did stomach. Uh, stand up for the rest of the night. I, however, I, I think for for balance. I will say that uh, throughout the rest of the 80s, uh, James helped me in many situations uh, when I, uh, I I had a little bit of a of a big mouth and, and could definitely throw the best smart-ass <laughs> comments back to people. And there were a couple times uh, when the beer and, and the good times were flowing where I would say the wrong thing to the wrong people, but still they were really funny. And 30 years later – they still uh, sound bites, uh, you know, elicit chuckles when you tell the story. But James was always there as my big brother. Uh, he how, had your back. How, how would you, I, w- I would usually just run. <laughs> You know, uh, I just fucking take off. But then James would clean it up for me and throw a few punches at some of these other guys, whether they were bouncers or or, you know, you know, James, where did you learn to fight? Whatever it was, you know,
1: Well, how did you know how to fight so well? Uh, Was this uh, something taught or you just uh, had a lot of fights in your uh, life? I don't know how to fight at all. I I really don't.
5: I just have attitude fueled by you jägermeister know, he had the mouth and i had the doctor no yeah it was right it was quite a deadly yeah. combination punches
10: thrown by, by jägermeister
5: yeah
1: it was it was bad wouldn't you worry uh, about your hands though i mean as a guitar no. player what, no hell no you don't care. care about
5: anything man, don't think about that, <laughs> man. Uh, remember
1: yeah. the metallica remastered deluxe box set includes listen to this this is a this is a hefty package the black album on vinyl and cd a sad but true picture disc, three live LPs, 14 CDs, six DVDs of unreleased content, tour laminates, a lanyard, uh, lithographs, guitar picks, a lyric folder, and a 120 page book with never be- uh, before seen photos and stories. Boys, this is. I would need a truck to uh, carry this around, am I correct? You get a truck, too. The guy, a, you get a truck. We're all looking at each
10: other going, what is all this? We, there's, right. a, there's a guy out here in the, in the corridor named Mark who is who giving away all
5: our
1: stuff.
10: Mark, can you come in here and justify what all this is?
1: <laughs> well, anyway, boys, congratulations on a great accomplishment. 30 years of the Black Album. It is one of my favorite albums, and everybody agrees with me. It's a masterpiece. Um, uh, but Um Get their box set. Um, in fact, included in the box set, I should have mentioned this, James will throw a TV set at you if you pick up one <laughs> of these. <laughs> he will throw a it water- out his window a and hope it hits you. When you
10: open watermelon, it, through it's a, just going to be a
5: Nerf vent. TV. So it'll bounce. Yeah. I, I yeah. like the
10: watermelon through the air vent. That one yeah. I've never has go through
1: there. <laughs> did, that, did that actually happen? It did. Um, oh, yeah, God. it did. Yeah. You know what? I lay awake at night. I'll just, I'll end by saying this. I lay awake at night. I, I was in college and I did four hits of LSD one night, which is not prescribed. You, if you do one, it's bad enough, but I didn't understand how you take this stuff. And I took a four way hit and I, I almost at least once a day, it'll flash through my mind that I came dangerously close to losing my mind that I, I would have been institutionalized. It was that bad. And I go, you know, thank God that didn't happen to me. I, I somehow recovered from this. It took me about a month, and then I swore off all drugs. And and there are moments like that that you go, he's just a stupid kid. I could have fucked up my whole life. And and that's what I think you're talking about when you throw a TV out the window or you or you're doing something crazy on Jaeger, You know, it, it's it's astounding that we survive these things.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
10: Can can I just anyway, say, Howard? Um, Thank you for, uh, all your support. It was great to see you last year in the middle of pandemic from yeah. HQ and, and thank you for Same. doing this. Robin, thank you. And can I just say, uh, Jess and I, I was supposed to say this, uh, Jess and I have been following Sparrow's, uh, Instagram story and we're happy that, uh, Sparrow's with her forever family now. So, uh, tell that to, to Beth, please. I'm going to. What, what yeah. a, what a great story. She's blind and deaf. Well.
1: I'm sure the rest of Metallica might not care no about idea. this, but I know Lars is, and his wife are very into animal rescue and stuff, but uh, we, we do a lot of animal rescue and people are such scumbags. This uh, woman, I don't know what she was doing in our house, but she was breeding cats like we need more. You know, it's ridiculous, but she goes away. She locks them in a cage and puts a heating lamps on them. And uh, these these poor cats, they were in there. There was no food for two weeks. And then she burned their eyes out, and they have no oh, hearing. Stop, stop. Their hearing was gone, and their eyes are burned out. And my wife stop. took in this cat, Sparrow, who this happened to, and it was really emotional. Uh, she's now living in her forever home. And, and it was a whole long saga, but uh,
10: it, you know, well, it, it was just so what sad. A beautiful creature she was. Oh, she is. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for but, doing uh, that. Yeah, no, we're happy to do it. Listen. You guys,
1: congratulations on the Black Album. It is—it is one of the most spectacular albums in rock history, and I'm so glad we got to celebrate it. And now I'm going to go yes, take my nap. Been fun. This
8: has been <laughs> right. nothing yeah, but thanks, fun.
10: Thanks, Robin. By the Great way, to be back with you guys again, thank you. Uh, let me mention to you, for those
1: who don't know, during "Sad but True," Robin did take her top off, which is uh, <laughs> tremendous.
10: Well, you know, just
8: for good old—you know—the old days, you know the old days i swung it above my head you know my
1: bra <laughs> yeah she did it all for you guys she, she was 100 behind that and uh, yeah it, it, it's just great to see you guys big fan of the of the band and thank you again to elton john and miley cyrus what a great afternoon yeah, incredible
14: yeah. yeah thank you yeah and thank uh you.
1: that's it i guess right anybody want to say anything robert you've been quiet what's going on man
14: No, I've been absorbing this great morning, and what a tremendous uh, moment, not only to perform with Miley, but to see Elton John. I mean... It's just incredible. You know, Come on, those Rob, tell words. one more
10: story. Come on. you've, got, you've Well, I met <laughs> Elton John. rob got well, nothing but stories. Come uh, on.
14: Quickly. Go ahead, Rob. I met Elton John. I was uh, selling uh, uh, subscriptions to the L.A. Times. I was about 12 years old, and we were in this big station wagon uh, right down the street uh, here in, uh, I guess it would be Studio City and we pull up to this gas station we see this limousine and we're wondering wow who's in that car and then we see the windows open it's elton john we all go up with our clipboards <laughs> and uh we ask for autographs he gave every one of us an autograph and uh, oh, really still, on the subscription thing yeah yeah we go door oh, to door s- <laughs> yeah you know, and try to sell subscriptions for the L.A. Times. And I still remember that. Uh, so what a, good, a guy good guy to do that. Even
10: he's fucking He's Back in the day, you know. I, he, he played in San Francisco a couple, two, three years ago. We went down to to see the show. And we were asked if we would come and say hello. And and met him briefly a couple times. But went in, hung with him in his dressing room for 10, 15 minutes. He knew details about because I come from a family of tennis players. Uh my dad was a tennis player, his brother was a tennis player, their dad was a tennis player. He knew details about not just my dad, but about my uncle and my granddad's tennis careers that How does he know that? I I wow. I, I was stunned. Literally fuck how do you know this? He's a, a tennis fanatic um but he's also really uh I think by by just uh, his personality is very curious and he's really interested and and he 's always just engaging, whether it 's about music or whatever, but he 's just one of the greatest human beings, uh, and so generous with he his is. time and his interest in and i 've heard him on your show a couple times i mean and he's yeah. he just talks tells the great stories, but it always comes from a place of of appreciation gratefulness and humility and it's never boasting or any weird shit like that you know he's just such a great human being
1: oh he is i i remember i I went to see him and he was playing with billy joel the two of them were doing a show together it was an awesome show and in between he's he's waiting to go on he tells me come back with my daughter my daughter was a kid you know a little kid and he sat with like i'm like this guy's about to go on stage he sat with us for like 20 minutes talking to my daughter and like playing with her and i was like man this this is too good to be true I mean, this is like the nicest thing ever in the world that a guy would would do this. But um, wow. you know, hey, yeah,
8: there are people hear... who actually like people, and they do that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> can you imagine? I can't stand people. I wouldn't stand. if I had to go on stage. I would go fuck you, you and your kid, get out of here right now. I got to get ready. Uh, I got to protect my voice. I can't be sitting and yapping to you guys. <laughs> but uh, did you hear that story? Remember? I don't know if you guys ever heard that. I went to your show and I only got laid that night. But I pulled my two of us pulled our our friend's pants off. It was like very um, it was very erotic. It was a dude's <laughs> pants we took off. And we got so charged up from your from your concert appearance that we literally started pulling our friend's pants off. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really wow, weird. I was crazy. like I was super heterosexual that night and super gay that night. I was both things. Do you know what your music does to people?
10: It makes me we're, crazy. We're happy, we're happy to, to elicit any response. And that's great. I mean, that's
1: well. Like as Kirk awesome.
10: says, that's when you know you're a professional musician. That's, that's right.
1: That's right, man. Uh, guys, congrats. Thank you a million times over. I love this band. I love you guys, and thank you for doing this today. And congratulations on the uh, 30 years of. Uh, of, of the Black Album, it's fantastic, and forty-one thank- years together as a band—it's awesome. That's crazy. All right, guys. Thank, thank, you, power, thank you both Hollywood so much. Thank you. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank yeah you Metallica, so much. Bye. mighty Metallica.
10: And congratulations, Robin. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you.
1: Love you. Wow. Well, that was something.
8: Yeah, it was worth uh, waiting for.
1: N- listen, this will be the last time we do a show starting <laughs> at noon on a day off. <laughs>
0: never i'm telling again. you now
1: if jesus christ himself says he <laughs> wants to do an hour and a half with us on a thursday afternoon we're not doing it
0: all
8: right but for
1: metallic it. I, did it. I
8: don't know i don't know you'll forget mm. you may forget. what time is it i don't even know do
1: you know i got a clock here but it's in 2 41 weird... oh I got a clock here, but it's it says 1441, and I'm like, I don't know how to do that shit. Oh,
8: that's military time. That's 241 in military time.
1: True. I was in the military special ops during the Vietnam well, War. Well, yeah, but, you uh,
8: remember. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I'm a little rusty with my military time. Uh, yeah. Back in the day, I, I could tell you 1441 is 241 and no <laughs> time. But now, I thought it was 3 a.m. <laughs> I looked over. It should be. <laughs> Yeah, what's with you guys giving me military time? Do I look like I'm in the military? Hi. I'm tired.
8: Well, you know, I haven't had a bathroom break in all this time. Me neither. uh, Very interesting.
1: (laughs) I'm holding it in, but it's at that point where it's painful enough to be sort of beautiful.
8: Oh, yes. It hurts. It's pain and pleasure.
1: It's almost erotic. (laughs) Uh, I love those guys. I love the Black Album. Mm. It is something. They are good guys. And
8: I love how musicians, you know, because it's another realm they live in. They don't live in this world. And when they're talking music, that's a language they share with other musicians. And we can't necessarily. That's why you have to say, what's a click track? What's a, (laughs) you know, it's crazy.
1: Miley looking good. Oh, yeah. Sounding I like good the hair.
8: Too. The blonde hair. The platinum blonde. She's looking good. Yeah. Sounding great.
1: Sounding great. Elton John popping on. We're like a...
8: Uh, Elton quite looks happening. fantastic.
1: He looked good. He's no spring chicken. Whew. Oh, Mick Jagger's on the line. I knew he'd call in because he got jealous. Mick. Yeah. Hey, Mick. How are you?
9: Hey, pretty good. I can do the show tomorrow at two p.m. We're gonna start you up, baby. I'll tell you every sexual experience <laughs> I've had with a celebrity.
1: I can have you and the Stones on at two p.m. tomorrow.
9: Absolutely. Uh, you know, I love that you. I love the chat with you. Come on, man. I'll think start me up. Oh, you said <laughs> you're gonna do <laughs> some
6: songs good.
9: too.
1: <laughs> wow. I swear, I think you know that it's funny. If it was the Stones and they said tomorrow we can be on it too, I think I would what have would you to do? do it. Would you do it? I think I, yeah, I think I'd have to. You'd have to, right? Yeah, that's a good one. I don't think any other band though, just the Stones.
8: Because I was thinking, oh well, we'll never interview Charlie Watts.
1: <laughs> well, I'm a little bit more after Mick and Keith anyway, so. Well, but but that
8: was my thought when I was having that. I was like, Mick and Keith better get in here. Right. Because, you know, time, I mean, things don't last forever.
1: I think if Keith died, Mick would stop the Rolling Stones. And, of course, if if Mick died, forget it, the Stones are over. I mean, they only have one singer. But
8: I don't think that yeah. Mick would stop.
1: If Keith dies, I do. Right.
8: Oh, I no, do. he'd be so happy to go on the road without him. <laughs>
1: A I'd like to see Keith. He
8: could have a guy playing guitar that he could actually talk to.
1: <laughs> well, I'd like to see Mick die and then they do a journey kind of thing where they pull a kid in from the <laughs> Philippines and start doing thing. That's right, get a Philippine thing.
8: guy to sing yeah. those songs and sound just like Mick.
1: Yeah. I'm just seeing a couple of fans wanted to say a few words about Metallica. But, uh, I don't know. Should we? I mean... As it is, we're workaholics now. All of a sudden, we're doing a show on Thursday <laughs> afternoon. Oh, Keith Richards is on the phone. He's upset. What's oh, up, Keith,
15: Keith? too. Yeah. Hey, how is it? I come in all three at, you know, 1 p.m. on Friday. 1
1: p.m. tomorrow? Okay. Get out of here, you <laughs> fucking maniac. Hey, Adrian from California. A couple of calls and we'll leave. Yes. And then we'll pee. Hello,
9: Howard. Just called to say thank you, thank you, thank you for coming in on a Thursday and giving us Metallica
6: for the hour and a half. Awesome well, this, show. Great.
9: This band. can't
1: happen again. This cannot happen again on a Thursday.
6: Ah, yes, thank you. Thank you, my mistress. Thank you, my mistress. Again, my mistress. Thank you, my
2: mistress. Thank you, my mistress. Thank again, you, my mistress.
1: Howard. Thank, thank you. you, thank, thank you, you, my Howard. Oh, oh, oh. you, <laughs> you got to add in the oh. ah. Oh, Thank you.
6: Thank you. Oh.
1: I heard from Bubba the Love Sponge. He said we did a real good job on our first show back. He said we sounded rested and energetic and funny.
8: And then how did so, we sound the next day?
1: <laughs> he didn't write me about the next day. He just was like, you guys sound... And I go, you know, Bubba, that's good coming from you because you know how hard it is to put all this shit together. So, Right. Thank you for that. Let's go to uh Chris. I was such a jerk today. I thought, well, I'm not going to let a special time of the show fuck me up. So I got up. It was raining because Beth and I have the same routine. We eat breakfast and then we go for a walk. And I was like, just because we're doing a show at noon, I got it all worked out. I'll um, I'll get up, go for my walk, eat my breakfast, go for a walk, come back, eat lunch, take a little snooze, you know. Eat lunch at like 10.30, take a snooze, and then interview Metallica. I got it all figured out. What
8: time would lunch normally be?
1: 11. So I figured I'd get in a half hour earlier. Okay. And then I fucked up my whole schedule. We went for the walk. It started pouring on us. We were soaking wet. I went on too long a walk.
8: And so you got caught in the rain, and it was hard to get back because it's just...
1: Yeah, then I had a shower. you. I washed my hair before the Metallica interview, and it's looking a little gelled and tight. So Fucked you're very it up.
8: curly today, yes.
1: Exactly. And that is not was a good look. Is that because of the rain? Yeah, well, I washed my hair before the show, which I never make the mistake of doing. Everything was off today because I, I washed my hair, and that's why it looks super curly. I look like a... I don't know. Who is look...
8: that little kid with the frizzy hair, Nancy, in the Nancy, cartoons.
1: Yeah, I look like the woman Nancy in the, that old cartoon. That's who I look like. <laughs> I'm sure. Do me a favor. When you chop up that Metallica interview, don't show me. Uh... I don't have hair. I don't have my glam team here. I don't have a glam team like Robin does.
8: You you are your own glam team.
1: I'm my own glam team.
8: And it takes time. <laughs>
1: anyway it was all off balance today you know everything has to be just right for me not to be gross i have to have the hair at the right time i have to sleep on my hair it's a whole thing to put together this look of mine you know so if you do watch this on the app this amazing uh, time with metallica and the live performances and you see me and you're like oh oh, oh, who's that woman (laughs) stop (laughs) you know We know Robin's a woman, but who's the other woman imitating Howard? (laughs) That's me. And I don't normally look like that if I have time to prepare. Sorry. Sorry, I'm not Brad Pitt. (laughs) Sorry, I can't tie my penis in a knot like Sebastian Bach.
8: Yeah, I can't believe you told him that Sebastian
1: Bach story. (laughs) Stopped him dead in their tracks.
8: I know. They were like, well, what are we supposed to say about that?
1: <laughs> like, Lars is like, man, we saw, you know, Sebastian Bach, and we were hanging out with him, and it was really, really great, and he was doing his thing, and why we're doing... Hey, did you guys hear that Sebastian Bach came on my show and <laughs> tied his penis in a knot? Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
8: well, anyway, an answer to your other question.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Whoa, yeah. Getting back to something normal. <laughs> The other thing that kind of freaked them out was I said, hey, guys, remember when I was at your show and I got so excited by your music, I pulled my friend's pants off? Oh, yeah,
8: yeah, yeah. And they were like, <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> what? Like, James is punching people in the stomach and throwing TVs out a window and, you know, on Jaeger, he's he's throwing watermelons into an air conditioning system. And then I go, yeah, I did something kind of crazy. I uh, took my, par- my, uh, my friend's pants off so we could see his ass <laughs> during your show. I'm pretty rock and roll, too, you guys. I'm pretty crazy, too. Like, uh, when I get wild, I get super gay.
8: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, they were like, yeah. okay.
1: <laughs> That's why those guys don't want to hang with me. They'll do the show. but.
8: And then it was, you know, when when Lars started telling the story
1: about what was the cat's name? Oh oh um, oh yeah um. Uh, Shadow uh, uh, or uh, no no um. What is it? I live with that cat. Beautiful story, actually. Sparrow. It's Sparrow. 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 Thank you, Gary. Sparrow. Yeah.
8: The other guys were like, sort of looking up in the ceiling. <laughs> like, what I are they supposed to do while
1: they're they're, they're tough guys
8: out there, animal rescue? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, you guys. Yeah. uh, Your music's so good. Like, I went to your show, and I don't know, I I blew a guy.
8: (laughs) You know, we never want to know when Howard's at the show.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, I got crazy, and everyone started pulling (laughs) our pants off, and we saw this guy's ass. (laughs) The funny thing about that was my friend didn't even realize his pants were off. He was like, oh, he thought it was funny. He was like, Were my pants off? Yeah, but
8: you know, their hijinks never involved pulling a guy's pants down. They don't really relate.
1: As much Jaeger as they did, they never like (laughs) pulled each other's pants off. (laughs) That's where I lose a lot of bands, you know? I go, yeah, Yeah. your show is awesome, man. I I got fucked in the ass during your show. It's awesome. (laughs) 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 It's awesome. Oh, Barbie. I like that name. Barbie in California.
16: Hi, Howard. How are you?
1: I'm good. What's up?
16: I just want to tell you, that was such a lovely surprise to hear Miley Cyrus, and I know she kills it normally, but that was fucking amazing, and I honestly can't wait. My kids will get out of school. They're 13 and 12. They love her, and I can't wait to share this new experience with her. It was just thank you.
1: Hey, I like can't it. wait for you to see it on the um on the app. Hey guys, can you give me a ballpark <laughs> on when can you give me a ballpark on when like on the app people could see the video of Miley Cyrus? Because it's surreal watching Metallica fronted by Miley Cyrus. It's really didn't you think the visual was kind of interesting, Robin?
8: Amazing. Yeah. It was really, Is really great. And I love that bit too when they were James and Miley were harmonizing with each other. Oh yeah. so awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to you guys seeing that.
16: Was she in the studio
1: with them? Yes. Yeah.
16: Yeah. Oh my God, I can't wait.
1: She looks Thank super you. cute too. I like Miley in those tight jeans with the high heels and the, what was that, like a blouse? Yeah. I liked it. She's
8: she maturing. The, I mean, she she said she went too. to that Glastonbury thing and she opened with a bunch of covers and she actually wore clothes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I see a lot of people on the internet are like, you know, all these jealous people. They're like, hey, Miley Cyrus should put on some clothes. And I'm like, what are you doing that for? It's fun seeing her without any
8: clothes. Oh, God. Because people she's said that, I guess. Exactly. She decided to wear clothes.
1: Yeah, a bit of a weird. Why would you people discourage? People are jealous. They are jealous. She's got a beautiful body and they're jealous. Yeah,
16: she's smoking hot.
1: Uh, you know, yeah. what
8: we uh, have learned is people just have to have something to say. And most often it's negative.
1: By the way, I'm tying my penis in a knot right now. It's that lengthy. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Barbie.
16: I loved it. Hey, Howard, I love you.
8: Thank you, Robin. Bye. Love you, too.
1: Hey, look who's on the phone. We got to take this call. Dry Lisa. Everybody knows Dry Lisa. Oh,
8: my God. Where's Dry Lisa been all summer?
1: Dry Lisa's been in New York being dry. Oh, she hung up. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Why did she hang up?
8: Oh. Hmm. We were just coming to you, Dry Lisa.
1: Yeah, I mean don't don't be so impatient. It's weird. Dry Lisa. Remember when Ronnie made her into wet Lisa?
8: Oh my goodness. I still can't get over that.
1: I bet you Metallica made her wet.
8: <laughs> well that I could
1: understand. Jennifer in South Carolina.
17: Hey now, how you guys doing?
1: Hey now we're doing well i hey, think I, i'll speak on behalf of the whole show we're we're doing well as a unit and uh, robin individually how are you doing i'm fine
17: oh fantastic yeah. thank you so much hey well first of all long time listener since the 80s since i was in fourth grade so you know where my mind is all the time <laughs> um but i love you I'm guys making so love to um, me oh. <laughs> the whole time i tell you what every day you know yes thank you,
7: thank
1: you <laughs>
17: but um so one great interview thank you for all that two um, I'm a veterinarian, and I've been following all of your rescue work. Uh, I specialize in high-volume stay neuter, shelters, and fostering. I have three kids, but I have, like, a million fosters at my house at any given time. But I just want to truly say thank you for all the shout-outs you give with your wife to fostering and rescuing because it makes such a huge impact. And, oh, you know, you. I've been doing this since the 90s. And, you know, whenever I hear you with a story about how your wife's going making rounds with the animals or how, you know, you're sitting with the cats, oh, my goodness, it's just amazing. Um, but my career is dedicated to that. And um, it just means a ton for me and other people in our field to hear someone like you just, you know, every day talking about it. And thank you so much for all that. I hope some of some more of our listeners here decide to go ahead and, you know, foster Um, just because of influence you've had, because every single one makes such a huge difference.
1: Well, thank you. Um, I think what you're saying is I'm a hero in some way. Uh, let's just
17: see Robin, (laughs) Robin, you on my wall, but no, thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate
1: Um, that. But I'll tell you what, we get tremendous joy out of doing this. We really do. And my wife's the hero. She, she, I can't even tell you how much work she does day and night on this. And, um, you know, uh, she, she's, she's remarkable. I'm, I'm along with, for the ride, you know, but, uh, she, she Absolutely. really, well, you know, what? you got to hear this story, uh, Jennifer, I'll let you go. I'll tell Robin. Thank you.
8: Dude, these stories yeah. are so horrendous and I'm already having trouble with how I feel about oh. people.
1: <laughs> no, this is a good story. This is well, oh, good me. Story. Okay. You, you know. It's just that I see my wife for real. Like people think like we have this big staff or something that takes care of the cats. My wife does this on her own. She's she's doing um, she has a woman who helps her, Cindy. Uh, She has a, a doctor who helps her, Dr. Jackie. But in the house, she does all the litter boxes and stuff. So when Jimmy and Molly were here for the five days that I thought maybe the covid crisis would be over, Mm-hmm. Um, they were staying with us, and we, you know, we we had a uh, Jimmy's tremendously generous. After uh, Jimmy and Molly were here, they send us gifts because they're grateful that we had them. But and I always say to Jimmy, "Don't get me gifts," but he always gets gifts. So they got us this gift, where I Jimmy's good with gifts, but I fuck I didn't want this thing. I don't know why he got it for me. I saw his wife Molly was wearing it. It's a ring. She's wearing this ring on her finger. And Beth goes, oh, that's such a nice ring, right? And 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 uh, she goes, no, it's not really a nice ring. It, what it does is it's like a health ring. You wear it, and it tells you how well you slept. It tells you how well you, um, how much walking you did, how much exercise you did. Did you meet your exercise goals?
8: Oh, yeah, I've heard about this.
1: Well, I said to my wife, who the fuck wants to wear that? <laughs> she goes, what do you mean? I go, first of all, I know I'm not meeting any exercise goal. I got a belly on me. You don't, I don't need to ne- be reminded, right? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And and do I want to know how well I sleep? I know how well I slept. I can tell you exactly how well I slept. I don't need a ring for that. I think if Molly's nuts, right? So Beth, and Beth doesn't go for those gadgets. But anyway, what shows up in the mail after Jimmy and Molly are here are these rings. You measure you your finger. Got to, long story short, we get two of these rings. I go, I'm not wearing this ring. Beth goes, I'm going to wear it because she loves anything Jimmy and Molly do. Because yeah. she loves Molly, and you know, so she's now walking around with this ring. And I know she doesn't like gadgets.
8: And what does it do? Does it tell your phone all this stuff?
1: It yes. It it's weird. It it um. We were sitting down talking, and my and the point about this is my wife is on her feet all the time. Running around the house. I used to say to her, I think you do 20 miles of walking just in the house a day because you're constantly changing litter boxes and doing all this animal rescue. Well, we're sitting down talking, and all of a sudden she gets an urgent email, like it's beeping. She goes, you're not going to believe this. The ring is telling me, isn't it time you got off your butt and started walking around? I go, throw that fucking ring out. you got to be kidding me. I, don't, I wouldn't wear that. You you're you're constantly on your feet rescuing animals. You're constantly motion, and this ring is telling you you're a fat ass, and you have got to get up and fucking right. walk you're around. That's
8: You're lazy, uh, uh, something so and so.
1: Oh my god! Well, my wife, she she's got up, she starts moving around. I go, this is insane. This ring is move. This ring is is, is, is managing our lives. You're getting emails <laughs> from the ring telling you to get up and move around. Like today we walked four miles. I wouldn't have known that without the ring. but meanwhile, the reason I bring this up yesterday we didn't you know we, we went for our usual walk, but she ended up it's the ring said she did seven and a half miles yesterday, just from moving oh around the God. house. Wow yeah, so that's what I mean with animal rescue. you want to get in shape, rescue a bunch of animals, but I'm not getting the ring i'm not I'm not wearing that ring. I don't care who got it for me. Imagine if I'm sitting down and, you know, I sit on my ass most of the day. When we do the show, we sit for four hours. You'll get
8: urgent I, emails constantly. Yeah,
1: yeah it's <laughs> like, hey, you died. You better get up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's Dry Lisa. Hey, Dry Lisa, how you doing? How was your summer?
16: It was okay. How How are you, Howard? How's everybody? Hmm. Robin? Hi, Robin. Hi there.
1: Dry Lisa. Did you get wet at all this summer?
16: Yeah, I'm I'm wet. Well, it's wet right now. Still cleaning up with the Ida.
1: No, I mean mean sexually wet.
16: Uh, I I can't even talk about that right now. I'm wet from listening, yes. I'm wet today.
1: (laughs) You're wet wet from Metallica.
16: Hell yeah, hell yeah. Awesome. Oh, Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Thank
8: you so much. Oh, I'm Those glad guys you're agree. sounding better because you sounded a little depressed when you first started off. Oh,
1: uh, when? Think, when uh, no, you no, said you hello. Know. <laughs> No, I just... Oh, I, I
16: sounded low. Okay, I'm low. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> One of my There's favorite moments from uh, really? before the break was when Ronnie talked to dry Lisa and got her wet. Turned her yeah. into wet Lisa. That was just awesome was Ronnie at his full powers.
7: Oh, oh.
16: Yes. Wonderful Ronnie. That was very nice of him. He yeah. was checking up on me.
1: <laughs> yeah, he did he more than check up, up on me.
16: On yeah, he was checking up on me and being kind and seeing, was being kind and compassionate, seeing how I was doing. That had something to do with, um, oh, goodness, oh, brain fog. I, oh, I can't forget his name, Wolfie, Wolfie, hi, 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 uh Wolfie was the one
2: that uh, Here you go. we go. And now I would take my hard penis and I would put it very slowly <laughs> because there would be, you know, I would be so turned on by you and what we were doing that there would be a lot of pre-cum on the tip of my cock. And what wow. I would do is I would take it and rub the head of my cock around your clit if I rolled over on my stomach, what would you do to me?
16: Oh, if you rolled over, oh, you're going to hold out on me? You yeah, I'm going I'm, I'm to hold, hold out
2: on you because that's my thing. I like to really, like, have, like, a major explosion w- with my partner. But
16: if you want me to get on top of you and I'd I take your cock right inside me and we'd probably, we're already to that point, we're going to explode.
1: <laughs> that was sexy.
16: Yes, the two of you very, together. Very interesting call.
1: It sure was. All right, try Lisa. Thanks for the call and I'm glad you enjoyed Metallica.
16: Thank you guys. Thank you Metallica. We love you all. Thank you so much. Have a Thank good you. day. Be well.
1: You, you too. too. I remember that day I I heard it and I got wet. Uh, <laughs> wet from the vomit on my in my lap. <laughs> Those two.
8: <laughs> Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. And yeah, we should probably go. It says here it's 15.06.
8: That's that's 3.06.
1: <laughs> oh, I knew that. I was in the military. You know I was a war hero.
8: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You tell all your time <laughs> in military time.
1: Yeah. Uh, I just slipped up. I didn't want people to know that my extensive military background. <laughs> when I start talking <laughs> in military time, 15.06. <laughs> Why would they have that? Why would the military want to say 1506? Because I don't even they understand. don't want
8: to have to waste time confusing people. If you have to say a.m. and p.m., you know, if you say 1300, everybody knows what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, but for me, it's rough because um, I got to go, let's see, 12. And then let's <laughs> see. If it's 1506. Got to add two to that. You know what I mean? I don't. I, it's just quicker if you just tell me it's 206 p.m.
8: Yes, but you're not trying to do an operation
1: Hmm.
8: and we're you know you want to say you want to work we're meeting at 0900
1: people in the military must be very smart (laughs) because uh, they can convert that very easily it's 1507 yeah when i was in the military time didn't really matter we were in the jungle and uh you know we just uh, we hung out and told the time by the by the sun. We just look up in the <laughs> you sky. You had a
8: sundial on your wrist. <laughs> had
1: a sundial, yeah. That's what we used back then. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to go or I was gonna I was gonna end the show with uh, doing the Mitch McConnell audio book, but
8: uh, you're gonna distracted. do that on an unusual day instead of no. like a regular day.
1: No, we today was just about celebrating Metallica and their Black yeah. Album. You know, what are you doing this weekend? Anything?
8: I I am so sick of people asking me, you got any plans for the weekend?
1: <laughs> well, I know you have no plans. You. I'm just...
8: I don't have any plans.
1: <laughs> no, I know you don't have plans. But when I say, what are you doing this weekend? I mean, which TV shows are you going to be watching? <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't want to embarrass you by saying what television will you be watching once we get off the air? <laughs> Robin's got quite the television itinerary. Because you live alone, when you, when you eat dinner, do you have the TV on as well? I mean, the TV's constantly on, right? Not
8: constantly. Sometimes it's not on, but generally, yeah, I eat my meals in front of the TV.
1: Yeah, that's what I would do. If Beth wasn't with me and I lived alone and I was locked up because of COVID and everything, I'd be watching TV 24 seven.
8: But I don't watch TV shows all the time. You know, I have another hobby, and I'm watching oh, right. different things.
1: I'm gonna, we should tell people your hobby. You got to <laughs> no, hear we this. We shouldn't. No? no, you don't want to. No, you, not today. You, okay, not today. That's a tease. <laughs> Next week, I'm going to talk about Robin's hobby.
8: I need to to work up to uh, re- right. re- revealing that.
1: I'll only give you a hint. Robin is an F G.
8: An F G. Yeah. Oh. All
1: right. That's your hobby. Think about it.
8: I got it. I figured it out. You got it, okay. Because <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what did I do now? Yeah, I got it.
1: Maybe you should eat dinner now. The rifleman's on Me T V right now.
8: No, you know what? I'm really this is very disappointing because usually I eat after the show, mm. but I had to eat before the show.
1: You ate dinner already?
8: No, I ate breakfast.
1: Oh, I already before had two meals show. today. I had lunch huh? before the show and breakfast.
8: No, I only eat twice a day. I eat after oh, really? the show, and then I have dinner later on. God, I can't so do I had that. To eat before the show.
1: Beth eats one meal a day, and I'm like, how do you do that? I, I'm, I'm like, I'm like a wolf. If I don't eat, I'm like crazy. as opposed to how you are
8: the rest of the time
1: (laughs) oh my god i mean i get like 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 pavlov's dog i just have to eat i'm not even hungry and i have to eat and after i eat dinner i can't wait to wake up for breakfast (laughs) i love eating
8: do you fix all your meals or do you uh
1: please robin i'm a superstar I Man, know, I'm just fix wondering. Fix my meals. I mean, it be you, caught dead. Because if you have
8: to make the meal, it might really get crazy if you're too hungry.
1: Robin, I was just interviewing Metallica. How could I make my own meals? <laughs> I was just hobnobbing with Steve Martin and Martin Short.
6: That's
1: and you true. asked me you know, a question John, like
8: that? Uh, you know, what am I doing saying what are are you, you doing? your own meals?
1: I'm in the stratosphere. <laughs> I barely do anything for myself. I told you, I don't even know how to get to my house.
8: That's true. You don't know where you are right now.
1: Beth loves to tell that story of the night I met her. Where we meet and I'm at this dinner party and we kind of hit it off and it looks like something might be happening and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this hot chick's into me. Gotta don't act like a loser. Act like a winner. (laughs) Don't blow this. (laughs) Don't say something stupid. So she's like, well, I'm going to leave now. Like, kind of like, you know. So I go, um, hey, uh, my car is outside. May I give you a ride home? She's like, "Uh, well, I don't want to inconvenience you. Where do you live? Uh I went. (laughs) (laughs) I said to her, I don't know. And she goes, are you being funny? I, I go. I, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not sure where I live. So she goes, um, well, look, I don't know what to tell you. I live on the Upper West Side. And I said to her, um, that sounds familiar. I think I live there, too.
8: Yeah, I think I live there, too.
1: <laughs> yeah. I didn't know she was going to ask me one of those gotcha questions.
8: Yeah. That's a got. Oh, you're like Sarah Palin. What <laughs> newspapers
1: yeah. do you read? <laughs> yeah, Katie Kirk. Don't ask me what newspapers I'm going to read. I'm unprepared for this. I was like, I live in America, I think, you know, no, but I I was like, I think I live near you. And then we got in the car and I think I asked Ronnie, I go, Ronnie, can you, uh, can you tell Beth where we live? I mean, you know, where I live (laughs) And he did. And she goes, Oh, I live a block away from you.
8: But you couldn't have done any of that. No, you didn't know you lived on the Upper West Side. Nothing.
1: No, I mean, I met her like 21 years ago, and I'm pretty sure I'd still be stuck at that club if Ronnie hadn't been there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just, uh I concentrate on radio. That's what I think about. I leave the rest to fate.
8: Well, so I'm pretty, far you've done okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm getting through it. I, I managed to be uh, here. But you know, I don't know where. Even you know, even before we got famous, you and I used to drive around together. How lost did I used to get in that oh car?
8: Oh my god!
1: <laughs> I had a chauffeur robbing around when we uh, we'd go to work at WNBC in New York. I got lost every night home. We were leaving from the same place and going to the same place, and I One got lost. Night
8: we we actually had dinner on the Upper West Side. We did, and at the end of we were with Steve Rossi. Huh. He took us out to dinner this one night. Yeah, at a at a restaurant on the Upper oh, West Side. Wow. I didn't know. And that. then when you start, he started talking about where the restaurant was, and you go, "Oh, I know where I am." And I said, "Wow, that's amazing!" And we got in the car that night, and you took over because you knew where we were, and we wound up in the Bronx.
1: <laughs> from the is, that is that bad? Is that bad?
8: We've been driving for for an hour and a half. And I don't we don't like the Bronx? What's anything? wrong with the Bronx?
1: I wanted you to see your environment. Oh, where you're to you
8: be a tour of New York? That's right. <laughs> yeah. It was so crazy. Yeah, and then we, we had to try to figure out how to get from the Bronx home. Yeah. It took forever. I think we pulled up to your house at midnight.
1: Yeah, because I would roll down the window and always find, like, a homeless guy who would ask directions. And Robin would be like, roll up your window. What's the matter with you? You can't
8: tell those people we don't know where
6: we are.
1: Yeah, I go, Robin, I got to ask somebody for directions. Keith, you're on in New York.
6: Hey, what's up, Howard? I love the afternoon show, man. It finally gives me an opportunity to listen live and call in for lunch, man. For people who have a job, this is fantastic. Cool, but um, I was I was listening to uh, I love Steve Martin and Marty Short the other day. I love yeah, the romance, guys. and I love the comedy duo thing. You and oh, uh, you and Jimmy Kimmel have your own kind of romance going on. Do you think yeah. maybe down the line after the radio days, like you and Jimmy could like work together, do something like that?
8: Are you guys gonna go on tour?
1: Yeah, we're gonna probably go on tour and uh, make TV shows together. Uh, <laughs> murder mysteries? No, we um, saw at the garden. Jimmy's going to be around next week. So he's going to stop by and I'll, we, we'll talk about what we did over the summer vacation. Cause we hung out for five days and, um, oh, awesome. Hey, but this is funny. So after uh Steve Martin and uh Marty short were on our show yesterday, I always thank people. So I have Steve's email cause I'm famous and, uh, I wrote Steve and I said, Steve, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. You know what a thrill it is. And it's a thrill for my audience and blah, 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 blah. He wrote me back. This is why he's a genius. He writes me back and he goes, how dare you write me when you know how busy I am?
7: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's great.
1: Yeah. And he goes, well, you can't top that. that. Yeah, You can't top that. So yeah, I just you know, as as I
6: gets, gave up. But- That's as quick as it gets. That's Steve Martin in a nutshell right
1: there. How dare you write me when you know I'm so busy? And I actually made the mistake of (laughs) writing him back, and I go, well, it could have been worse. I could have called you because I called Marty to thank him, but uh, you can't try to top Steve Martin. You just can't. No, let it go. Yeah, You
6: you could jump right into that romance, man. I love it.
1: Those guys are uh, good together. Okay, thanks, Keith. Oh, look who's here, Ralphie. What do you want, Ralph?
2: Hey, now. Hey, I got a I good know. show for you guys to watch this weekend. Uh, it's called Heels. Mary McCormick's in it. Did you start watching it yet?
1: Yeah, I'm watching it because first of all, it's Mary who played my wife in the movie Private Parts, so I always you know try to support her career. Uh, yeah, I, I. Yep, it's a good um, it's a good show. Heels. Heels it's, it's about a kind of wrestling like, family.
9: Yeah, and I'm not a fan Heels? Of wrestling. A wrestling it,
7: family.
1: It, yeah, it's about it, these um like this small town family that's trying to break into the wrestling circuit and they have a little wrestling crew and mm. uh, Mary's the like Night the Night manager
2: Night, the, the, the mm. town's all about wrestling and it's like like Friday Night Lights it's it's, uh, it's pretty good
1: yeah I like it really like it it's a good show I will Heels. check it out alright thanks Ralph
2: thank you hey our- what?
1: sorry I hung up on you bro I <laughs>
8: thought he was finished.
1: Yeah. Do you want to talk to Bobo? It's been a Bobo-free summer for us.
8: Wow. Ah, sure. Why not?
1: You're in a good mood. Awfully chipper over there.
8: Yeah, see, I'm still rested from the summer.
6: (laughs) Hey, now, thank you, sweet Robin. Appreciate it howard i want to thank you in serious it's been a, a fantastic metallica special miley really did an awesome job she's so vibrant and full of energy and really delivered uh i really enjoyed it a lot
1: oh my ring says i have to end the show and do jumping jacks sorry bobo <laughs> yes time to
8: get up and move
1: how was your summer bobo
8: no
6: but my summer was good up until the point I broke my pinky playing basketball. And that's when my nightmare started because when I met with the surgeon, uh, he said that, you know, I can do an operation or we can put it in a splint. And at the la- very last minute, about an hour before the surgery, I, ca- I-, I canceled because I found out that it was going to be an hour or more. And when you're put under for an hour or more, things happen. Like the last time when I had my neck surgery. And I couldn't pee, okay? And I had to stick a tube up my dick six times in three days. I wasn't going to go through that again. So when he said it was an hour or more to do a pinky surgery, I go, "No, nope, That's it. I'm out. So now I'm just dealing with this, and the pain is incredible. It's really taken longer than... Can I
1: give more, you a bit of advice?
6: Two months. Yeah.
1: Next time someone asks you how your summer went, just say fine. (laughs)
8: Because a a real pinky (laughs) injury doesn't really sound like that much.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of people still stuck in Afghanistan. Uh, The pinky (laughs) injury pales in comparison. That's true. All right, all right, Bobo. Sorry to hear that. I traveled. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Bobo. Uh, Thanks, man. Talk to you next week. That's Bobo. Talk to you next week. Yeah, that that made no sense. Right. I mean, yeah. he didn't get the the operation because he'd be under for more than an hour. I, I like these, hour you know, or more. <laughs> this is this is what's going on with this whole vaccine thing and people not getting vaccinated. Like Bobo, who and I don't mean this to be mean, but he has limited intelligence and he's trying to make these complex medical decisions, and he can't trust the doctor to put him under and do a surgery for an hour. So he because made like once
8: some, something happened.
1: Once, yeah. Something happened sometime, but he couldn't pee, and I know what he's talking about. I've had surgery, and they they stick a tube up your dick because they don't want you pissing during your surgery. Right. And, and I begged the surgeon. I was like, dude, I don't want something up my dick. Please, just promise me. Wrap up your business real quick. I don't want anything in my dick. <laughs> and it's not going to be fun for you trying to get a tube in my dick. I barely got a dick. He's like, oh, I'm sure we'll be fine, you know. God only knows what went on when I was under. Because I said to him, can you do it when I'm under? Just put the tube in while I'm under. Because if you do it while I'm awake, I'm going to freak the fuck out. Promise me you won't put that tube in my dick. He goes, okay, okay. you know. And it basically he was like, yeah, well, we'll see when we get, you know. I yeah, knew what he meant. He, he, they have to do it. <laughs> yeah, go to sleep. Because we're not having you piss in our face while, we're not putting a diaper. I, I, I even said to him, can you put a diaper on me? And he was, for some reason, no. Why can't I wear a diaper when I'm in the uh, operating room? Why? What? what what's because the hang-up?
8: Because maybe you'll be harder to keep under because you're so trained not to pee.
1: Oh, right, right, right. Like, I might wake up even under anesthesia because I'm not And who's going to really be able
8: to change you after you pee <laughs> while the operation is going on?
1: just put me on a changing table. <laughs> powder me down. So I know what he's talking about. Like you don't want to get that tube in your dick if you can avoid it, but if they put it in while you're under and then what they do is when you wake up they just, the, the nurse comes in and yanks it out real quick.
8: Or it's already out when you wake up, who knows.
1: No, they, they in my case they she was like, "Okay, I'm I'm going to take your <laughs> I'm going to take that thing out of your dick." And I was like, "Oh my god." And I told you like she had to lift up the sheet to do it and Right. I saw a look of shock on her face. I think she was genuinely shocked how small my member was. She's was like, "Whoa, is this a woman we had to put a <laughs> catheter in?" <laughs> Cuz that's a whole different thing. She looked genuinely surprised. She was like, "Oh, so I it, heard the other you're,
8: it, you're imagining these no. things."
1: No. No. <laughs> I know that look when a woman sees almost nothing between your legs. So I go, "Oh my god, what happened to this guy?" And they and they shaved me down beforehand in preparation and uh Oh, really? Yeah, I think so, like.
8: Did they shave could, that area?
1: I don't know what they did. It was just humiliating. At least a dude did that. <laughs> I think she, she had that look on her face where you just see all tube and no penis. <laughs> You're like, well, where's the penis? I see some balls. <laughs> anyway, so that humiliation. And then, and then like, she yanks it out quick. And it's not so bad. But then she tells you, look, you need to pee within the hour. If you don't pee, we're going to just have to put the tube back in. I was like, what? What do you mean? She goes, well, if you don't pee, that means there's something wrong and we have to put the tube back in. I said, I'll go pee. And uh, she said, okay, drink some water. Well, I got so nervous that I wasn't going to pee and they were going to put the catheter back in me. I started drinking like, I think I went through seven bottles of Poland spring water. My belly was bloated like I was a Biafran. Flies started circling around my head, my bloated belly. And all of a sudden I was so bloated And I couldn't pee. It was like a psychological thing. I couldn't pee. Right. And I'm watching the clock and I go, oh, my God, my belly hurts. I can't sleep. I can't move. I can't pee. They're going to put a catheter back in me. Oh, man, was it horrible. Like one minute before she came in, I I got a little bit of pee out.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Saved yourself.
1: Oh, my God. And I go, I peed a little. It was all right, but. I go. I'm fine. It's working, man. When someone tells me I have to pee, I can't pee.
8: Well, that's everybody, you know. It's like the moment you have to,
1: you can't. And I was so uncomfortable. The rest of the day. I couldn't even sleep because uh, I had so much water in my
8: right. You're system. sloshing around.
1: Yeah, I was overloaded <laughs> Every time in you water
8: move, like a wave.
1: <laughs> oh, it was horrible. horrible. Do you ever pull that tube out of a dude? Yeah, of course. When you were a nurse? Yeah.
8: All of my patients you... were intensive care patients, Howard. Nobody was mm. going to the bathroom.
1: So you pulled the tube out? I
8: pulled them out. I put them in.
1: No. You don't look at the guy's dick?
8: That's why I'm telling you. I don't recall anybody's dick.
1: What a liar. <sighs> You wouldn't judge their penis.
8: I never met anybody in the nurses' station and started talking about the. Really? Never. And nobody ever did that to me. That's why I'm saying, I don't, you're making this up. We've got other things on our minds.
1: Someone told me that you and the other nurses would hold up signs like in the Olympics based on penis size and like give it a number.
8: Give it an Olympic number?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 7.0. Uh. All right, one last call, and we're getting out of here. I'm tired. I can't sit here all day with you, Robin.
6: Come on,
1: Nick. What's up in Indiana?
6: Hey now, hey now, Howard. Hey, I hey do now. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the afternoon, Joe. Uh, hey a uh, guy that works, you know, a guy that works nights. Uh, you know, I don't. I, I usually have to listen to you on repeat, so. This is a real treat. And then having Metallica on top of it, pretty awesome.
1: So, well, nothing there. we wouldn't do for our audience. That's the kind of performers we are. Uh, Robin and I, Robin won't say it. She's, she's way too humble, but I'll say it for her. Wow. Well, we just give well our ahead. entire lives to this audience, and <laughs> you're pretty much all that matters to we us. We appreciate though. it. You bet. We really appreciate it. All right, Nick. Thanks. All right. That's I'll... Nick in Indiana. All right. Go to bed, yeah. I'm going to be in bed now for three days recovering.
8: (laughs) From from doing an extra show. Yeah.
1: Oh, here's high pitch. All right, high pitch. I'll give you the last word. Go ahead. But I'm tired, so it's not going to be a long conversation. All
9: right, Howard. By the way, great show. Miley Cyrus was great. Yes. I I I got my colonoscopy. You had it? No, yes, no cancer. And I got to thank my friend Nikki, who, 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 who dealt with me this night before because the prep was so bad.
1: It is amazing that um, that high pitch doesn't have uh, colon cancer. I mean, his diet is horrible. He's overweight. And, I mean, good for him. He's healthy I and mean, being but It is. He
8: he just said the prep was so bad. Nick, the, your friend Nikki stayed with you during the prep. Yes,
9: yeah, she, she's amazing. Mm. She drove me to the hospital because I couldn't
1: drive home. <laughs> amazing, because you know that prep for the colonoscopy is a lot of shitting and pissing. Yeah, and that. you don't want to be in that little place with the high pitches. You know, during that no way. fiasco. No.
8: he doesn't have a private bathroom,
9: right? He has to.
1: Go down I think the he hall. does no, now. I have my own. No. You
8: have your own. Okay. I, have
9: own ba- I have my own bathroom, I have my own my own apartment. And Howard, guest just show, Steve Martin, what a great looking guy he is!
1: Yes, it's great is looking.
9: A guy? Martin. Is, what a
1: great looking guy Steve. Steve Martin is.
9: Oh, he's better look,
8: He's better at than Cooper. Yeah. Oh well, I'm sure he'll be glad to hear
1: that. I mean, yeah. when Eric goes to the doctor, it should be, I, Howard, I have every disease known to mankind. I can't believe it. You know what I mean? Like, like if that's the call you're expecting. It's like, uh, you know, if he if he's healthy.
8: Yeah, high pitch. has. Well, he's on a lot of medication. I don't know what the medication is for.
1: But you'd think but the medication. It's not
8: what you'd think it'd be for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You'd think like. Like, he should be on horse dewormer. He's the size of a cow. <laughs> you know what I mean? If anyone should be on ivermectin, it's Eric. Um, anyway, I'm glad you're healthy, Eric. Oh,
7: thank you, Howard and Robin. I
9: love you. I love all of you. And by the way, I've been participating with the phone calls with Sam as well.
1: Oh, good. Glad to hear that. Thank you.
9: Because like I want
1: to be a team member, I want to be a team player. Okay, Good. you're on the team. Thank you. you know, oh, wait a second. You guys have a
9: great weekend, yes. Robin. What?
1: Who's Look that? who it is. It's Steve Martin.
2: Oh, hi, Howard. Oh, my God. You know, I couldn't stay away from the show. I love high pitch Eric, and I gotta say, high pitch. Would you like to? Jerk uh, off to me?
9: No, because I jerk off to one person, and that's only one person. I want he was to
2: hear my penis on your head like an arrow.
9: No, I jerk off to one person, and I can't... I can't you I make can't me face. a
2: wild and crazy
9: guy. Well, mm. I know. Well, thank you.
1: All right, this is Ooh. going nowhere. Thank you. <laughs> When Eric said he was attracted to Steve Martin, I thought he would want to have phone sex with him, but evidently not. Apparently okay. not.
8: He's still Apparently loyal not. to Donnie, I guess.
1: Sorry, Steve. Cheat. No phone. Yeah, no phone yeah. sex for you. <laughs> Next time. Right. Um, okay. I'm contemplating leaving you with a phony phone call.
8: Well, that would be fun.
1: Hmm. Hmm trying to remember it was good too we made a phony phone call this was over the summer oh i know what it was was when that horrendous man bill cosby got out of prison which is a whole thing we should talk about next week but yeah it made me so angry because like you know he was so first of all when he went into prison he put on that whole charade where he was almost senile and he was blind and he couldn't you know like and then when he got out he was downright chatty and uh Everything was fine with him health wise, you know, and right. and but then he had the balls to go. You see, I was innocent the whole time. This proves I'm innocent. And, you know, he wasn't innocent. It was just that he got out on a technicality. A and technicality. He should just shut
8: up. Yeah, somebody decided yeah. that how they conducted the, the trial and instructed the jury or something wasn't right.
1: right. So you want to hear what we call the I guess it's a conservative radio show. They have the conservative point of view. It's an internet show. And um, Bill Cosby, we had Bill Cosby call into the show to complain about comedians using filthy language. (laughs) And then he debuted some material from his new act since he got out of prison.
8: Oh, I'm sure he'll go on tour. Yes.
1: Yeah, you guys will like this here.
3: There is one place you can retreat and re-energize to take on the world. What better way to start your day? Actually, we got a caller right now. New caller. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
15: My name is Bill. Calling from Pennsylvania. I'm a comedian, and I have a bone to pick with comics who like to use dirty words in their act.
3: I'll tell you right now, don't use. I don't know any bad language on my show, or you will be banned for life. But anyway, yeah, go ahead.
15: You don't have to worry about me. I made a good living on clean comedy. Uh,
3: what do you do in your act, for example? What what makes your act different than uh, than other folks?
15: My jokes are clean. No swear words.
4: Okay. Give us a sample of your act.
15: People say it's bad to drug a woman and have sex with them while they are unconscious. But I never hear any complaints. Oh,
10: God. (laughs) I think I missed that one. (laughs) Sorry, Bill. That's horrible.
15: See? Totally clean comedy.
3: Um. I, I hate to be honest, Bill, but uh, but I, I'm not rolling on the floor laughing at this point. It's, uh, I would, Come on, I would,
15: give me another chance.
3: Give, okay, one more chance. This is your last chance. <laughs> I'm not going to let you go.
15: <laughs> I don't
8: know why you're laughing.
15: Knock, knock.
8: Who's there?
15: I see you're still conscious. I'll try again in five minutes. Your God, hang up on him, please.
9: Yeah, hold hold on, Bill. The
15: master of clean comedy is back. (laughs) Hold on, hold on, Bill. Hold on,
3: Bill. Let's get Pianki's take on this. We share here. Yankee, go ahead.
11: He's laughing about taking advantage of women.
3: Okay. All right. I see where you're going.
11: Sure, he's not cursing, but his jokes are sick. What
15: do you mean, sick? I'm America's dad!
3: Yeah, I think you better work on this a little bit. Um, But I'll tell you what, uh, I'd like
15: to work on your female co host if you know what I mean. Cut him off, please. I'm
4: going
3: to let you go, Bill, but thank you very much for calling. I I don't know. I'm sorry. I just didn't think it was funny. Jackie?
4: Listen, something just hit me. Don't
17: think I'm crazy. But could that have been Bill Cosby?
3: Yeah. <laughs> like I say, you take a chance. You never know. But uh, I'll, I'll note Bill's call in my in my record of calls.
4: Bill Cosby, and, uh, if that was you, you're a disgusting, vile man. Wow. Ugh, He gives me the creep.
3: Okay. Uh, I've got a caller here. We've got a number that, that uh, doesn't show up on my board. I'll take a chance on you now. But if you screw up, <laughs> I'm going to get you off the air immediately. All right. New caller. What you got?
15: Why did the sleepy lady cross the road? Uh, why? Because I didn't drug her drink good enough. It's God. Bill again, hang up. Same got that called earlier, right? Yes. Hold on. You hear that? Sounds like my date just finished her drink. Hang up on this creep. Time to pop my
7: pudding. Hey,
15: hey, hey. Get off our show, you pervert. Reveal! help me get my pants off. Oh, that's
4: enough. (sighs) Okay. Oh, my God, I can't. I just can't. I'm just...
1: I'm exhausted. He's exhausted. (laughs) What do you do? what what's with that no wonder it's an internet radio show that guy's pretty out of it i mean i'm gonna his big thing is he tells people if you mess up i'm gonna take you off the air for uh for for life i'm not sure how he's gonna do that
8: i don't know because bill
1: got right back on <laughs> no exactly he must be doing his show at noon <laughs> makes you loopy I don't know. He was laughing at some of the jokes, and then the co-host got upset, and then he kind of backed off a little bit, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, how about Bill getting out of jail, man? From what I read, the judge was kind of, uh, didn't have to really interpret the law that way. It was really kind of a weird thing. I mean, they let Bill Cosby out of jail. Like, life just goes on.
8: Well, th- you were talking about a case the other day, and I said, it all depends on the judge.
1: Yep. It's kind of maddening to see him out of Not jail. Then like... he, started, he's, he started flashing the victory sign, you know, right. the peace sign, you know, victory. Yeah. And he wasn't really victory. I mean, yeah, he was let out because of a procedural error. It wasn't like somebody said, gee, you didn't do it. We, we found yeah, you somebody innocent.
8: somebody lied, or this was a trumped-up no. charge. Nothing mm. like that happened.
1: But I guess his wife's still with him, right?
8: Oh yeah, she hangs in.
1: You know who's incredibly loyal to Bill Cosby? That lady who was his wife on the Cosby Show, Felicia Ayers Allen Rashad. She.
8: Well, I she, think it means something because there's, you know, they may get residuals from those shows, you know, and when they get hangs <laughs> on the air,
1: they're not, it I hate to a break rub. it to her, they're not bringing those shows back on the air.
8: They are on the air. They're being played really? right now. Oh, yes. Get out. Is that true? I am not getting out.
7: (laughs) Get out.
1: (laughs) Leave, leave. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I mean, Cosby's like such a villain And, and she, like when he got out of jail and gave the victory sign, she tweeted finally. And I guess so many people jumped down her throat that she, she deleted the tweet. Like she never said it.
8: Right. Right.
1: You know? If, if you know, if I was a person who did sexual assault, do you think my movie wife would come to my defense, Mary McCormick? Or would she? Uh...
8: I don't know. We should ask Mary.
1: Yeah. Be nice. How
8: far can you go before yeah. she doesn't tweet support?
1: <laughs> she should have put like an asterisk underneath finally and put, um, my Cosby show royalties depend on this man. Please forgive me. <laughs> Wow. Finally. Like, finally, he's out of jail. Thank God Bill Cosby's back. You'd
8: think he'd been in for 20 or 30 years. He wasn't yeah. that long.
1: Shit. Women, t- you know, I thought with the Me Too movement, maybe things would get a little better, but uh, women taking it on the fucking, taking a punch. Um, the, the Texas uh, the Supreme Court and abortion and Bill Cosby. The fuck? Well,
8: you know, it's all in who you vote for. Mm -hmm. Women have uh, been throwing their vote in the wrong direction, apparently.
1: Well, they've been thrown in the right direction, except we live in a country where you can win by three million votes and still lose.
8: Yeah, but, you know, that governor in Texas, he got some women's votes and their, you know, legislature got women's votes. So that's how that stuff happens.
1: I, I might have to run now and straighten everything out. (laughs)
8: somebody ought to who has a little sense
1: oh you have to have sense Uh, forget me
8: count me
7: out
1: (laughs) (laughs) anyway it was fun to be with you on a thursday it was great to be with metallica great to be with you robin um miley cyrus again a complete
8: pleasure once we got here
1: let me just uh, make my day complete and do a live commercial here for dish network